Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of Q&A Quest. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. My Wife Beat Me by 40 Points in Wii Bowling. Wow, you got wrecked. Yes, and with me as always... David Webster, David, whatever. I'll respond to anything as long as it's shouted in my general direction. And, as promised, we have our guest. Our most prolific guest. I thought that would be Lil Whoops. He's our most prolific question mm. asker. Yeah, well, he's the most prolific question asker, but he hasn't yeah. been on near as many episodes. Yeah, he's only been on once. Surprisingly. But he's always here in spirit. That's true. That's true. I, I think we have a question from him this week. We do. Uh, but anyway, um, someone other than Lil Whoops was kind enough to grace us with a... Scarlet grace us even with a number of oh, dude, I hate. <laughs> I'm not sure about the things you choose to be with a number dude. of saga related questions. Did our dear guest actually say his name even though he needs no introduction? <laughs> actually, no, I have not yet. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so yes, Michael Baker here, aka Gaijin Monogatari. So, and uh. Um, Random, random game, that, random foreign game person. <laughs> random foreign game person. That's that sounds like an <laughs> appellation that needs an explanation. <laughs> well, I mean, and it sounds like at, I'm not going to get one. <laughs> just, just look at the list of games I've played in the last nine months, and you will see. Yes, it is a very random foreign game list. It's true. True enough. I mean, we have what is it two or three Metabots games. I'm sure Lowell yeah. Whoops enjoyed that. Oh yes, he's he's waiting for my third review to come out. Um, and what else? Um, a strange little Pokemon clone that isn't actually a Pokemon clone. It just looks a hell of a lot like Sapphire and um, not um, like Gold and Silver. Um, and what else? Currently, a PlayStation Two game called Seven: The Mulmorth Cavalry, which. I decided to pick up again after a ten and a half year hiatus, according to my, my last save file. Wow! Oh yeah. man, you actually you actually loaded the old save rather than to start over. Um, amazingly enough, I remember most of the plot of this game anyway. Wow! Oh wow! I I have a really stupid memory like that. I um, even before I watched the series again, uh, as a different example, I could remember most of the episodes of the old Dragon Warrior anime that I watched 30 years ago. <laughs> Actually, wish... at the time, it was 27 years ago, but, yeah. Um, I, 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 rem I remembered parts of it enough, well enough to um, have flashbacks while watching the Japanese series um, on oh, wow. DVD, and then realizing that they must have played, like, six episodes out of order. Because I know they... I remember looking this up. That is what they did. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I didn't even look it up before, and I was like, okay, I know they only showed 13 episodes in America before they shut it down, and yet uh, this one or two images I vividly remember seeing happened at, somewhere past the episode 20 point. <laughs> so. Ow. Yeah. Yeah, there was that period where, like, the, the thought process was, well, if the anime takes too long to get going, we can just, you know, just remove things at random and hope that the Jenga tower doesn't fall apart. <laughs> or just, um, let's assume that it's like an American cartoon series and that the entire 
episode order is very modular, like how yeah. they hacked up hacked up card captors. Uh, oh man, that was that, that was an impressive one. <laughs> we want to sell this to boys. It stars a girl. Well, what if it didn't? <laughs> let's just promote the side character up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, let's just pretend he's the main character too. And what other weird things have I played in the last few months? Okay, there was the anime spin-off game Hamatora, look at Smoking World, which was a almost a decent knockoff of the Persona model hmm. with tactical battles. It it could have been better. That's a really tragic. I mean it wasn't that I mean I gave it a three point five, but it could have been a lot better. Um, uh. that's the one with the smoothie based um, leveling system <laughs> so the actual number one complaint I had for that game was it didn't give you enough options to make money because that was uh, essentially oh. the experience because you had to mm. buy oh, yeah, because, yeah. to make smoothies <laughs> gotta and, get on uh, that smoothie treadmill <laughs> yeah and then I played Dengeki Gakuen Cross of Venus, which is basically a huge crossover game between eight different light novel series from the Dengeki public, publish, uh, Publishing House. Yeah, I was wondering if this was if this was like the same Dengeki as like Dengeki Bunko. Yes, it's Deng, um, Dengeki Bunko is the company that published it. Ah, uh, okay. So yes, you had, had Anoshara, you had Iryanosora. Um, or Iria and Natsu, you had a ton of really disparate games that, I mean, it's amazing it worked as well as it did, and it didn't work that well. Um, <laughs> it was about as big of, it was about as uh, big a mess as I expected Project Cross Zone to be originally. Mm. Uh, that's a, uh, it's a difficult, uh, uh, a difficult thing to work those crossovers oh i've got at least one left on my backlog that is even crazier than that oh man yeah i have a game called shonen white comic which is published by jump magazine and mm. i'm not quite sure how many different manga are represented in this particular game however the copyright page in the manual takes up an entire page <laughs> and I counted 84 separate copyright marks. That's a nightmare. Wow. It's like, some yes. of those probably licensed more than one thing. Yes. And I, at least I do recognize oh, several of the authors, even if I haven't read those particular series in a few cases. Mm -hmm. Yep. And some of these That's... series have even been published in America. Yeah, John... Trump tends to be one of the ones that ends up happening if it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, some of these are just old, like old random manga, like Megumi no Daigo, that somehow got published in America because somebody thought, you know, well, let's just license this old, completely finished manga series and see how it works because it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine that for some of those ones that have been long finished, it's probably much cheaper to license them, which is probably why some of them got a chance. Yeah. Which is why some of these are better known in America than they are in Japan. They were just published here so much more recently. That and American, the American publishing cycle tends not to forget things as quickly. Ah, oh, true enough. So. Okay. 
Well, that would be a fascinating discussion topic in and of itself, actually. But eventually, yes. <laughs> so, shall we dig through the backlog for a moment? Sure. Okay. All right. So, well, one from Lolux was: Is there an RPG you have fond memories of playing that turned sour when you played it again later? Uh, yeah. I swear I ranted about this a few times in the past few episodes. Well, you can pick a new one this hey, time. I, I, as, as I mentioned before, I actually have... Um, it was like back in 2011, Nick's put together a feature for called Memory Lane. And my right, my article for this one is... The one, two, three, four, five, about 15 paragraphs on Final <laughs> Fantasy Legend 3. Actually, about my... My young, uh, my te- um, like preteen Game Boy experience, and how the only games I could rent from the local farm war were Final Fantasy Adventure, Final Fantasy Legend Two, and Final Fantasy Legend Three. And oh, my different reactions to them, and then how I came to the realization that Final Fantasy Legend Three was boring as hell. Mm-hmm. First time, it was exciting. It was okay. I didn't pay too much attention to the stuff that did not make any sense. Second time. <laughs> no. Third time. Why am I fighting this one enemy group over and over again? Yeah. 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 Legend 1 and 2 made much more interesting use of the Game Boy. I mean, something I always considered a bit of a problem with Saga, um, with Legend 3 was, at least with Legend and Legend 2, they understood the developers understood that they did not have enough space in the memory to include a complete story, so they did not bother. <laughs> they found ways to work around it. And hey, 2 had a pretty nice story regardless. Yeah. It was just, it's a, just a very minimalist story. I mean, it's presented a writing that understands limitation. Yeah. Whereas Legend 3 tried to give a, it wanted to give a character base. A, um, high fantasy adventure story, and none of the characters had character. Kind of, kind of kneecaps that right from the go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even made a note of it in the re- my review for the remake of Saga Three. Some of the side quests in the remake of Saga Three have more character development in just that quest than the entirety of the original game. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. it gets crazy. It can be. It can be interesting to like think about the idea of a game that literally like because at this point we've been dealing with games for so long that really don't have to worry about space for text. Like they worry about space for other things, but never for text. Yeah, like, it's interesting to think back to like a point where you had to write around the fact that you did had to be economical with text. Yep. And, oh, yeah, especially some of the really old systems. I mean, didn't they have to write special compression algorithms for the Pokemon games to be able to fit as much as they could into it? Yeah, Gold and Silver is the infamous one for that. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, that worked out in the end, huh? Yet our hero managed to rewrite the compression so well that he was able to get them to fit an entire second quest into the back side of the story. So, Rest in peace, Iwata. Rest in peace. 
But I was thinking, like, some other games, like um, this really awful little game called Esper Dream, oh, where gosh. the game does not have... I mean, most Japanese games, you can at least count on them to have hiragana and katakana. This game does not have katakana. Everything, <gasps> everything is written out in hiragana. No kanji, no Latin letters, no oh, katakana. No. hiragana. And this is, I mean... Like, okay, so in English, it's it's not that bad to read everything in all caps or all lowercase. So it's hard to make a good comparison here, but it's like... It's trying to read everything in all caps while half of it's been transcribed into Greek. Greek letters. Let's, yeah, because, like... Because the... uh, there are a lot of things that are not supposed weird. to be gone in Japanese. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. So weird. So they like that you are somehow familiar with this game. Like I, I am, like I'm mostly like you have mentioned Esper Dream in the past, I think, and I think that's part of where it's coming from. But it's also just like I'm, I'm not fluent in Japanese, but I understand just enough about Japanese to be like, oh god, just from that description. Yeah. Thankfully, the 3DS version, um, downloadable version, does not have all of the issues with the Famicom Disk System's loading times. Oh, God. It, it still has slight loading times. It still has palpable loading times, but it no longer requires you to flip the disk after, at, whenever you go into or out of a certain town. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the... Oh. the uh concept of, like, NES games with loading time is so completely lost on people who grew up with an NES. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But that, that disc system... Say, did somebody have a question about the Famicom disc system? We did. They actually we'll, mostly just wanted you to extra, explicate a bit yeah. on that. We'll, we'll get yeah. to... From Budai. We'll get to that. Uh, I wanted to talk a little more about Final Fantasy Legend 3. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beat that in the ground some more. His axe. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So the reason I was so excited about that game back in the day was because this is a, kind of an interesting story. I, I, I had played, I had played the original Final Fantasy at like my brother's friend's house and thought it was like the coolest thing. But by then our NES was gone, so I kind of never got to play it. So, you know, that's kind of how I ended up with Final Fantasy Legend One. Assuming that it would be like the NES game, which it was not, but you know, I played that <laughs> and played two and enjoyed them a lot. So with three, it was similarly inscrutable at the very least. Yeah. So three, it was finally like, yes, this is going to be like an actual Final Fantasy game, and you know, I, I I rented it and borrowed it a few times and didn't get all the way to the end or anything, and kind of enjoyed it, I guess, but just. You know, the more I played it, and when I eventually went back to it, it's just like, wow, this is, is kind of bad. <laughs> and That's pretty much how I described it in my memory lane feature. Yeah. It was like... It's like, okay, yeah, I was really confused at first by some parts of Final Fantasy Legend 2, because I was 12, or 11, 11 at the time. And... So, Final Fantasy Legend 3 seemed like a really good deal. It was so much like some of the 
um, some of the other games I've been trying. And but after the shiny newness wears off, you realize that yeah, it's kind of dull underneath. Yeah, it's also very slow. Like you go back to that and compare the battle speeds to the first two to that, and it's just all the extra man. Or the text on the first two. Yeah, just all the extra animation slows it to a crawl. And you know the monster sprites weren't didn't even look as good. No, not at all. And I think some of them kind of looked like repurposed from uh, Mystic Quest. A lot of graphics in that game were repurposed from Mystic Quest. I mean, yeah. look at the little rock sprites on the like underwater, and then look at the rock sprites around the fire area of Mystic Quest. They are the same sprite. <laughs> Treasure chests are the same. They don't refill anymore, though. Yes, yeah, interesting. Dis- despite how I felt about those two games back in the day, uh, Mystic Quest, I ended up liking a lot more. <laughs> Even Mystic Quest was nice. It was just Mystic- really simple. Yeah. And it was really cool how you could actually um, just kill the final boss with repeated applications of the life spell. <laughs> yeah. It- it's just funny. Yeah, that's not... Because... I always By all re- accounts, I think that's a bug, but I I count it as a feature. Yeah, no, it's a good like it it, it feels right that that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can find stuff like that throughout the the saga games where you there's some little trick that you can try, like um the infamous think, god chainsaw. Oh, that that one was that one was <laughs> completely a mistake supposedly. But. I'm just thinking more like um, one of the first actual game-related internet interactions I ever had was on a message board, again, back in like 1991, 92, where um, I just post, um, somebody was asking about, I think it was Venus, it was Venus in Final Fantasy Legend 2, and I pointed out that if you, um, if you have a mutant or a monster with a high enough mana stat, you can put her to sleep. <laughs> Well, um, spell. She is not immune to sleep as long as you you have a high enough mana stat to make it work. <laughs> Which gives some interesting insight as as to how that game's status effects work as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, she isn't immune to sleep because she doesn't have a sleep magi. Mm-hmm. And so the the different god bosses are largely immune to things depending on which of the magic stones they have. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they switched that around for the remake. Uh, Venus is no longer immune to sleep in the remake, or is immune to sleep in the remake, but Ashura, an earlier boss, is not immune to sleep. <sighs> Good times. Sadly, I can't yeah. join the uh, FF Legend 3 hate train because I've never played it. Yeah. yeah so well, you're not missing much. My dad had to call me into the computer room and ask why he had just gotten an email from a random person saying, "Thanks for the tip. I'm going into the um, I'm going into the seventh world right now with a set of espers." <laughs> Son, are you training? Like, what the heck is going on here? He's like, oh, "I just gave him some advice for a video game." Um, <laughs> okay, good, son. I thought you were joining a cult. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so, man. So, but Dave, any games that you went back to and kind of regretted? 
Like, it happens occasionally. Like, I'm trying to think of some ones that it happened to relatively recently. Like, last time I ranted a bit about, like, FF10 is, like, my perennial go-to of, like, a game I shouldn't have played again. Uh, like, a lot of the, like, one of the ones that I guess surprised me a little bit was uh, Threads of Fate on PS1, which I don't think is terrible, but I really, really liked when it was new, and then I played it again more recently, and it's like, yeah, this is eh. <laughs> just right. Just age well. Yeah. You know, it when... has it has its moments, but it's not like the thing that I could like love as I could as a child. You you know, when I went back to Zelda two after not playing it for years, I actually hated it even more. <laughs> That's always fun. But did you ever like, like when it you find first... that not only is your hatred validated, but it's even worse? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm trying to think of any other ones. Uh, I've been playing good games recently. It's terrible. There's some non-RPG ones, like Kid Icarus. You know, I played a lot of that as a kid, and I went back to it and thought it, it no, was... No, wait. Hey, this is Zelda 2. Thought it was the worst <laughs> thing. But if we're talking about early NES period action games, there is always going to be the Nintendo hard bit in there. And the fact that we had, that as kids, we were massive gluttons for punishment. Oh my god, yeah. Like, you got seven games, and you're just going to keep playing them, because, like, you're not going to suddenly have something else to play. Exactly. <laughs> like, for, for me, and I knew that I didn't like this at the time, but, like, while it was something that I had, I was going to keep trying it. Uh, Battletoads and Double Dragon, the ultimate Oh, game. god. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, just good. Impossibly hard. Like I've played Battletoads, like original NES Battletoads, and it's like, eh, I still think Battletoads and Double Dragons harder. <sighs> I've infamously tried to play that a few times at PAX to spectacularly bad results. <laughs> Listen, we had a lot more fun when we just played wrestling games with each other. It's true. <laughs> But no, all I've been playing recently is like I, I I hadn't played these when they were new at all, but like I just went back and played Fantasy Stars one through four and it's like, oh man, three is every bit as bad as I've heard, but I guess that doesn't really count for this question. Yes it is. <laughs> yes it is. This city is three too has, evil to be allowed to yeah, stand. Three has three has many of the same issues that I had with Legend Three. Fantasy Star yeah, Three. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kinda dull. Yeah. Mike, Mike is kind of dull and a little too much time spent on limited animation for all the monster sprites. Mike, have you ever heard the story? Yeah, all these mon like the giant that wiggles its jaw. <laughs> I was thinking of the giant floating head that wiggles its ears. Oh, that. Oh, that was oh. super good too. My favorite, my favorite enemies in the entire game were in the last city, and they're just like giant Japanese gangster heads with, like, pink pompadours, and it's just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Mike, have you ever heard the story of how I ended up with Fantasy Star 3? No, how? Uh, so I had asked for Fantasy Star 2 for Christmas, and so my parents went to get it from, like, a Funkoland or something, and the store clerk there convinced them that 2 is too hard and that they should get me 3 instead. Two is like a great deal harder than three for what it's worth. It's still a better game. But two is also yeah. a much more fun game. Like yeah. I had a lot more fun with two. 
I know. I, I just got them all together Before as a Fantasy Star passed. Collection on Game Boy Advance uh, in 2002. So. Yeah, that that's like the only time that they had 1, 2, and 3, but not 4. It was super strange. Yeah, I know. I was kind of upset that it didn't have 4, but I enjoyed yeah. 1 and 2 and made it through 3. Yeah, 3, three is interesting because it's trying really hard. Like, it's clearly the victim of a tiny, like of, like an inexperienced team in a too short production cycle but it's also just like all these ambitions can't save you you're it, the game is still bad yeah but like four is before oh, like freaking mm. holy shit good yeah like i just finished that day. good the composer of three even redeemed herself like three has really bad boring music and four has a really good soundtrack Four kind of has everything. <laughs> Let's be yeah, honest. Travel to different planets. Cool vehicles. You go, you go to the air castle from Fantasy Star 1? So good. And it's fitting because, like, the air castle from Fantasy Star 1 is by far the hardest dungeon in Fantasy <laughs> Star 4. <sighs> That's the, the comic book style cutscenes. Yep. Oh, those things are so good. Like they, they they're wish, so expressive compared to everything else you were getting. Say what? I wish more games actually did that. Yeah. Yeah, like they were so much more expressive than like that game came out in 1993 in Japan. They were so much more expressive than anything else that was out at the time. Like, oh man. And they there's so many great little details. One of the, my favorite dumb things in the ending, like this isn't really dumb, but it's like a nice detail, is that like in the ending. Chaz and Rika are both in, like, casual outfits that you've never seen them in before, because they're not out fighting all the time. They're nice outfit design, but they're very casual. Go play Fantasy Star 4. It's super good. I say that to the general I audience. Alright, any other games that we have fond memories of that need mentioning? Or, I'm sorry, not fond memories. Um, unfond memories. Unfond memories. Lagoon. Oh, why'd you have to bring that up? Oh. Well, because, because like I never actually got out of the first level because I couldn't hit anything. Oh. This is what happens when you take a butter knife out to fight. <laughs> okay, we, we, I believe you talked enough about Lagoon the last time or two times ago. Yeah. Anything okay. Else? Listen, I just, I'm just glad that we have the hat trick of Lagoon references that make wheels sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, different random game um, that you didn't like as much the second time. Um, um, hmm. Like the issue I run into is a lot of games like I just don't play them a second time. So like, if they're gonna be bad the second yeah. time, I'm never even gonna. Play this. <laughs> There's that, and some. I mean, I uh, I tend to be really charitable to a lot of games, even the, some awful ones. And... But, but if, I, if I'm going to hate them, I usually know pretty fast. Yeah. I'm, I'm generally pretty good about not throwing good time after bad. and like, I, As referenced by... As evidenced by the fact that I was able to finish Fantasy Star 3, the kernel of a good idea was enough to drag me through that game. <laughs> 
I don't know. I just played once. Didn't even have the kernel. <laughs> it's just check, oh, check oh the game with here. sometime. There's a couple in there I just finished because I had started them. I'm like, I'm not gonna let this game win. Oh hey, I remember doing that for some random PS3 game. Are you gonna expand on that, or are you? Nope. Repeating? Nope. We've talked about it enough. We'll just oh, leave it at that. Oh okay, I know what it is. Yes, that one. Yeah. Okay. Long-time listeners should know that we have already talked about this game a number of times. Yeah. So make wheels cry, and we already brought up. So. Ad nauseum, yes. But, yeah. Well, that's, that was also different because it was a review game, and that, that kind of forces you through things that you might otherwise have dropped. I mean, I'm under zero obligation whatsoever to actually finish any review game. Although, it would be I'd be a jerk if I didn't actually finish any of them. There's a social obligation. Okay, yeah. There's, I, I, no one would have blamed me had I stopped Mutant Souls. Because no one... How many, one, ta- how many no one reviewed the, War Kill? Too many. And no one finished uh, Mutant Souls, the sequel. Which is supposedly better, uh, so... Quote-unquote better. Yeah. <laughs> Better is the ultimate word for grading on for grading on a curve. Yeah. But speaking of reviews, I will have a review for Sheeran up at some point in the relative near future, hopefully. Yeah, you mentioned you had finished that a little while ago, but you were having some issues writing. So. Yeah, just uh, uh, extended writer's block, I guess. I don't know. I yeah, I sat everyone has that. I sat down a few times to start it and just like. Sheeran is the latest entry in the long-running series, and that's about as far as I can brainstorm it tomorrow if you want. Uh, yeah, that might be good. Okay, uh, just, we'll deal with the Just assume that your average <laughs> audience does not actually know how Sheeran plays, and just start from base principles. That's probably a fair point. Hmm. I mean, I have to do that sometimes. Like, I'm going to have to do that for Metabot Seven because otherwise, I'm going to be constantly referring back to. Metabot DS and Metabot Navi because both of those have a direct influence on this game. <laughs> I guess the other thought process is that like like mystery dungeons have a dedicated niche, but that dedicated niche already bought this game. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You're you are not preaching to the choir here. No. You choir are, the choir know, already, already has knows. him. Yeah. Um but yeah. So I'm preaching to the crowd that's like, what is a mystery dungeon? Yes. Pretend you're trying to sell it to me. Yes. Why <laughs> Why is my progress reset, and why should I not hate this game for that reason? And actually, that's a really good starting point. Oh, thank you, guys. All right, okay. show, show adjourned. I gotta go right. Uh, no, you'll remember <laughs> it by tomorrow. I don't know. Next to your computer, take I don't know, I kind of have a big distraction tomorrow. Just take some notes. Okay. Alright, anyway. Um, shall we move on to some saga questions? Yeah, we got sure, a why lot not? of saga to do. Yeah, so... About... It's not like we haven't really talked about it yet. Yes. So, about a month ago, I got an email for from somebody with some saga questions. Someone named Michael. Not any of the Michaels that writes for RP Gamer. And just so people are... Certain that there is a uh, multitude of Mike. Hey, yes, did, did, did we are not writing ourselves these questions. Noting that in the letter, he did not. I I made the note. 
Oh, you made the note. Oh. Yes. Okay. That's important. Like, he signed his letter without his I, I feel like I should point out that at least part of this question is kind of spoiled by the fact that we actually do know more about Saga Scarlet Grace than when he sent this. Yes. Uh, but, uh, so I was going to put in our notes uh, his last name, just so, you know, we would all know that it's not one of us. And then I'm like, oh, I, he probably, he signed his letter, Michael. He, probably, he obviously doesn't want to put his last name on the show. So I, yeah. had, to, I had to write something there. Uh, it was... You got the I mean, point across. I mean, how many Michaels are currently working with RP Gamer? Uh, you and I, uh, Mr. Cunningham, mm -hmm. and Minky, uh, Minky, Minky. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think Tidwell is currently using a different name. Yes. And I don't so. know if he technically does anything for the site at the point at this point anyway. So. What. Well, I think he's like I think he like occasionally tr contribute to a feature or something. Yeah, and I think he I think he went to um, Pax West and helped out there. Yeah. So yeah, that's he's still around. So consider him staff emeritus. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh, so anyway, his first his first question is: let's see here. This will be an entirely saga centric set of questions for you and your co-host, and obviously our guest. Which saga game was your favorite in the franchise, and what were your favorite bosses in music? And this question could take forever. Oh, um, so trying many... to pick a single favorite is really hard here. Yeah. But I'd say in college, Romancing Saga 2, just because I had it on easy emulation, and I used it for a lot of Japanese practice, and I just played the hell out of that game, and actually went on to write the FAQ for it. Um, it's <laughs> Yeah, it's it's still the only one I'll put game facts. Um, and oh, wow. yeah, wow. I really need to get around to updating it with some information for the for the iOS only material. But they, uh. um, yeah, and in fact, I don't have a smartphone, so I can't actually play that experience version. it firsthand. So I'm having to deal with people on, on message boards telling me about it. And yeah, well, you know, there so, are there are um, some computer-based Android, uh, I guess you'd call it an emulator, that you can pick it up on there and play. Development environment? So, so you can play on your, no, it's called, uh, what's the one I use? Bluestacks? It's basically an Android emulator, so you can kind of buy Android games and stuff like that and play them on your computer. And, huh. and I know... Well, uh, the other problem is, how would I manage to pay for it since I don't have an American account? Uh, uh, that is a good question. Sure, I don't mind playing it in Japanese, but then I would definitely get all the names wrong again. Well, I don't know. Google Store might be more open. You might be able to use Maybe. like a Japanese credit card. I'm not sure. I've. Uh... You definitely do find like oh, yes. Japanese stuff on the American Google Store, so who knows? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so anyway, so the answer for which one's favorite really depends on which time period you're talking about. Because if you're asking early '90s, then it's Legend Two. If yep. you're asking early aughts, then it's saga, um, Romancing Saga 2. If you're asking a little bit later, maybe Saga Frontier 2, because I just really liked that game, and my copy of Saga Frontier was buggy as hell, scratched up a bit. <sighs> and yeah, and as as of like 2005 or so, uh, Romancing Saga, the remake, was what got me to buy a PlayStation 2. Mm, that game. 
Minstrel song's really good. Yeah. It is real. I mean, I, I remember walking through um, Yodobashi camera and seeing the, the video up on the screen. I'm like, why does this look familiar? Why does this look familiar? <laughs> Light bulb flash. Oh, that's why it looks familiar. Sparking. Okay. Sparked. Yeah, I was going to say that. Sparked a new ability. Yeah, I'm, oh, no, I'm talking like actual light bulb on the screen and then metaphorical one over my head. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, so yeah, uh, like, the day that game came out, I bought a PlayStation 2 and the game together. Nice. On my way home from work. Menstrual Song's got to be up there just because it's probably the last time that Saga will ever have anything resembling a budget. Probably. <sighs> Probably. Scarlet Grace is Scarlet, certainly doesn't. Scarlet Grace looks neat, but it looks incredibly low budget. Just fine, but yeah. Yeah, it's fine. And uh, yeah, more recently, like, like all all the remakes are favorites. Saga two yeah. remakes, yeah. re remake. Legend of Legacy series remake, yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think that, an honorary. Um, that's yeah. probably going to be my current favorite. Would be Legend of Legacy. I really love that game. It's also another good example of better storytelling through no story at all. Yeah. Uh, so, though I am well, I am interested in seeing how Scarlet Grace works with um, four protagonists because they haven't actually done a successful multi-protagonist game mm. over a decade. We shall uh, see. I feel like. If I were, if a gun were put to my head, like nostalgia would force me to say Saga Frontier One because that's the first one that I had access to, and it's such a crazy game. Yeah, that it is. Like, you can pick that up. It is. You can pick up any of those stories, and they will be like completely baffling and alienating, both from any. Like if you're, if you were me in like the late '90s, and like you had just gotten into RPGs in a really serious way, and you were just, oh man, square. Airsoft, and then you pick it up, and it's like this is these are both alienating from any RPG I've ever played, and from each other because they have like the mystic <laughs> mechanics and, and the robot mechanics and the monster mechanics and the human mechanics, none of which work similarly. Yeah, <laughs> it's such like a microcosm of everything I love about the series that I can't really bring. Like even though it's not a, it, it's not the best entry in the series, it's my favorite. Well, you can't fault it for being a dull entry. Yeah, no. It was ambitious and was shooting for the moon, and it didn't hit, but boy, it went far into space while getting there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure enjoy and, that ride. Yeah, and it really needs a remake just to fill in all the holes that were left behind because they couldn't fit it all on one disc. Yeah. Speaking of issues with... Ah, uh, rip and fuse. With storage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think the entire series has suffered from storage issues at one point or another. Yeah, kind yeah of, that I mean, sounds about right. Kind of in, in, that, like, in that vein, one of my favorite. Saga had like a quarter of its material struck out. Yeah. I know Romancing Saga 2 and 3 both had sections cut out because of space limitations, but not nearly as bad. Yeah. By that point, like larger cartridges were kind of becoming more of a norm. So like by the end oh. of the 16-bit generation, you still see things getting thrown out, but less so yeah. i mean romancing saga the original they tried really hard to get one of the um, second generation uh, um, super famicom cartridges for it and they weren't allowed oh which is which is the main reason why they had to cut out the 
Diamond Quest, the Black Diamond Quest, the and the Emerald Quest. Those and series always shooting for the other parts. Yeah. I think one of my favorites would have to be the I don't want to call it a remake, the update of the original saga for Wonder Swan. That's I'd say I that counts the play. Because anything decent for Wonder Swan is now so rare it usually takes like fifty to sixty dollars to get it on online. <laughs> yeah. And like... my Wonder Swan stopped working seven year, uh, eight years ago. I think I got my copy wow. for way cheaper than that. Uh, Lucky. I, uh, I don't actually have a Wonder Swan. It was just like kind of the uh, now I don't feel bad about em- em- emulating this kind of deals. <laughs> I pulled the same thing with uh, Persona 2 Innocent Sin. Oh, nice. Back before. That's why I still have a copy of Romancing Saga 2, even though no, I no longer have a functioning NES, a Super Nintendo. So. <laughs> I also have a Wonderswan copy of. Uh, actually, I don't know from which. Did they do more than one Romancing Saga on Wonderswan? No, we just did no. the one. Okay, that's what I got. Yeah. I think I saw I it for even, cheap on eBay or something. I didn't realize they'd gotten to Romancing. No, they they did uh, Makai Toshi Saga and Romancing Saga on Wonder Swan, and that was it. Yeah, like I was only aware of the Saga One remake. I didn't even realize they'd done Romancing. Yeah, Romancing um, had improved graphics and a few extra things added in, like the Chaos em- or not the Chaos, the Arcane Emeralds quest was included. Ah, uh, in okay. Wonder Swan version. They were able to it's, just reinsert some of the stuff they had to cut. Yeah. It still didn't have the um, diamond quest. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had the undersea temple either. Yeah. Hmm. No, that reminds me, yeah, I never finished my st- I never finished my stream of the saga. Yeah, from you got, this one. got really far. You were close to being done. Yeah, we were in the the fourth world. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to pick that Maybe up again. We should go back and finish that. Yeah. But yeah. As for like individual like big bosses and music, which was part of this question, like that that gets really tough. <laughs> so I mean, like most of the final bosses can be really awesome in their own way. But like the the D S remake boss final bosses were ridiculously insane. Um, in a good way. I mean so Wheels, did you ever finish those games? The remakes? No. I actually got I remember when we did the backtrack for them, you muted out the conversation for a few minutes while I was discussing <laughs> Yeah. Um, Would you like to hear them now? Sure, because it's probably going to be a okay, while before so, I even get back to them. Yep. So Final Fantasy Legend 2, the final boss, there was actually two of them, two different weapons platforms that were guarding the reset button on the world. And... So you had to take out one, and the goddess, who was your fifth party member at the time, had to take out the other one. So you only had one final boss. But in the remake, after... Um, so you're fighting Weapons Platform Alpha, or Arsenal in the original translation. And so it has two forms. It has its first kind of um, mechanical form, and then it has a mecha, humanoid mecha form. But then, after you beat that, it starts switch swapping places 
with platform beta. So now you have to fight the other, the palette swapped version of it as well. Nice. While God is fighting the mecha version. And they will switch back and forth multiple times if you don't manage to take out the beta platform's cannons fast enough. But then, once that section is over, platform alpha and platform beta merge together into something that looks more like out of the Super Robot Wars franchise. Yes. And my language. In, in order to charge up its super chest cannon attack, it tractor beams the goddess into its central core and uses her as a power source. <laughs> and so it's it spends a couple rounds charging up its super attack, and you have to do enough damage to it in one round to disrupt that attack, or it will almost certainly kill you. Good times. Okay. Okay, so that's Saga 2's final boss. Saga 3, um, do you remember the final boss for him, for that one? I actually never actually beat Final Fantasy Legend 3. So, so for Final Fantasy Legend 3, part of the story was that the god of the other dimension of the Pure Land, in Zagor, in, um, yeah, Zagor in English, he had kidnapped the god of your world, because your god was actually a fragment of his power that ran away. It used the Talon to escape the Pure Land. So when you finally get to the final spot in the final level, your god, Sol, is in the final stages of being reassimilated into Zagor. Hmm. So, you so first of all, you have to start fighting him. He's not fighting back. You're just trying to do enough damage to try and weaken Zagor. It does not work. But then um, the merger becomes final, and you get this weird, lumpy thing with worm-like tentacles coming out of it. Because something that's not really apparent in the English translation, but the people who made that game were very big Lovecraft fans. Oh. So you, you, get, you get Lovecraftian mythos references all the way through the Japanese version. But since the translators had no idea what what some of these names were supposed to be, they got changed into stuff that doesn't is not as obvious. So that's kind of what happens for the DS remake, except at the end of that phase, it's already been stated several times that Zagor's true form is actually the ocean of that dimension. <laughs> so if this lumpy, ugly thing rockets up into the sky, draws up all of the water around it, and turns into this bluish sphere with watery tentacles coming out, and you have to fight it in midair... Oh, good. Yeah, and and yet this is this is not actually the end of the fighting once you beat it because there is a secret final boss on the story, new mm. to the DS version, and it's what is used to help plug up some of those plot holes from the original game. So for um, mm. so for example, um, when you're trying to get into the final level, the um, your ship, the Talon flies in and starts blasting stuff on its own. And everybody's surprised by this, and then the guy who's traveling, your fifth party member at the time, says, oh, that's because I used main character... Um, well, the main character's dad died at some point before we could rescue him. And his brain got put into the new version of the Talon by the guy who's traveling with you right now. And so he explains, yes, I had to use 
Arthur's dad's brain as part of the computing computer session um, section. However, hmm. when at, at the, in the end credits of the original game, when you travel back to your world in the future zone, you get to meet the main character's dad, who's been revived. Um, they took his brain back out of the machine and managed to clone him a new body and everything. And when you tell him your name, you say, oh, he says, oh, that's a good name. I think I'll name my son that when he's born. Do we see a problem here? Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, in the in the remake, um, the guy who's with you at the end, the one who helps mastermind a lot of the um, assault on the other dimension from your world, He's a he's a time lord. I mean, there's no other way to describe him. He is a time lord. He's the guy who made the time machine in the first place, and then it got stolen from him by Soul. So he's a little pissed off at this, and he's been trying to find ways of destroying Zagor ever since. But that usually involves somehow getting Soul and Zagor back together and. This is such a dicey proposition that he has wasted several alternative versions of your world do, trying to do this, <laughs> including the including the apocalyptic future where, that your main characters were sent back in time from originally. This is all very effed up. <laughs> yes, and yet it, yeah. it actually makes several weird points of the story make perfect sense in hindsight. Um, but yeah, so the secret final boss of the New Game Plus on Saga 3 DS is a Time Lord. And he will call in future and past versions of himself <laughs> to triple team you got, um, your party. Oh. Yes. Uh, uh, my brain is broken. That just made me think of the character. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's just a case of, um, with, I think the only exception really being Final, the original Final, Final Fantasy Legend Three. I really enjoyed every single boss in the series. Uh, There's a lot of really good ones. I really liked uh, when I was a kid the boss of the original saga, just because it was kind of. Uh, for a young kid uh, fighting, oh, you're fighting the creator was kind of uh, still not trippy. Yes. Yeah, I am the creator of a video game world. Yes. Okay. Can Kawasu be the villain of? Can Kawasu be the final boss of Scarlet Grace? I won't call him a villain. He can never be a villain in my heart. No, no, because he, no, he was secretly the final boss of the first game. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. He's the profound Kawasu. Yeah. Oh, for fun. Um, Creator was not the only boss in the series that could be one-shotted. Oh, that's so good. Um, in Romancing Saga, um, Saruin, there, um, mm -hmm. there was, uh, you know, the four elemental dragon gods. Yeah. So the wind god, Tiny Feather, awful name, the vulture-looking guy, um, his, um, the item that he gives you as a reward for a quest, has um, one of it. It has very limited uses, like three uses only, but one of its abilities is Petrify. Oh. There is something along the lines of a 1 in 1,000 chance that you can Petrify Sovereign. 
Actually, it comes out it's to... Playing. It was 12 and 1,000, actually, because this really crazy Japanese gamer about two years back actually made a video series chronicling his attempts to uh, petrify Saruin using um, um, save states and constantly fighting him over and over and over and over again, where he only had three chances per time around to do it. And after 1,000 attempts, he managed to do it 11 or 12 times. Uh, that just reminds me, like, of, like, how Final Fantasy 1 has, like, this bizarre, like, idea about how immunity to death works that causes it so that everything is technically has, like, a 1 in... Even things that are supposed to be immune to death have, like, a 1 in 255 chance of being killed. And that includes the bosses. You know, I never actually did try to insta-death... Death machine. Come here. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That would be a miserable oh. affair. Yep. It was much easier to just kill him before he can nuke me to death. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, war mech. But yeah. What else? But like, yeah, the the three evil gods of romancing saga. I mean. Did you ever dig into the mythology in that game? No, I haven't really. Yeah, another time. I mean, if if you look into the the lore of Mardius, the game world for that game, you can really tell that this is Kawazu's personal take on Dungeons and Dragons. Ah. Uh. I mean, th- this is this is not a video game. This is a setting. This is a campaign setting. <laughs> I mean, he's got. I uh, mean. The origin of the three evil gods, um, of one of whom is the final boss of the game, it's a titanomachy. Um, like, ancient gods going to war and everything, and not even the original ones, like second and third generation ancient gods. You have random, uh, really, really nice equipment that can be found in different parts of the game, bearing the names of deities who officially abandoned the world several thousand years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. It's, yeah. Definitely play through this one again. Yeah, and I then, need to just play Romancing Side again. <laughs> and then, of course, the seven heroes. <sighs> I love these games. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking about Saga, and it's just nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like... So, Wheels, how far have you gotten in Romancing Saga 2? Uh, I plead the fifth. Okay. Yeah, want to hear, how, not more wanna than hear how crazy the final boss is? Yes. Okay, so, the final boss is actually this weird amalgam of all seven heroes to begin with. <laughs> so, you start off with this kind of this weird um, fleshy pulsating mass with one torso sticking out of it, and that is Roque Bouquet, blue-haired lady. Okay? And once you do 6,000 damage to the boss, it sprouts another torso. <laughs> so, um, ex- exactly 6,000 hit points of damage. If you do more than that, it doesn't really count towards anything. So every 6,000 in damage, you get another torso, up to 7. <laughs> and the available abilities for each boss depends on which torsos are visible. 
So at the very beginning, you've got Rock to pay out, and so you, she can hit you with a thrusting attack, like Repeard style, a couple weak wind magics, and um, and uh, oh, was not seduction. Um, whatever it is, her her mass charm attack, temptation, and that's all the boss can do as long as she's the only thing visible. <laughs> So, word, word of warning, first stage of the battle, this is when you start layering on all of your buffs like crazy. This is the game giving you time to do that. Yes. Because as soon as the second torso appears, uh, which I think is Subie, the, wa the water guy, the, um, then suddenly it can not only do everything that Rock Bouquet does, it can also do anything that Subie does both in the same round. So... Mm. In the final stages of this game, it's doing seven attacks per round, and it can draw on almost every single attack in the game. Yikes. Better make sure to deal out that last 6,000 damage as fast as possible. Yeah. Oh, no. After the last 6,000 damage, it's got 100,000. Oh, great. Or maybe not 100,000. It's got quite a bit more in its a final lot. stage. <laughs> yeah, it's got quite a bit more in its final stage. It's not quite as bad as the egg from Saga Frontier 2, in some ways. Oh, God. <laughs> but you also don't get the option of opting out of stages of the seven heroes. <laughs> Which, if you're playing Saga Frontier 2, anybody, you really want to opt out of the forest and stone boss um, battles for that final battle. Seriously. Discretion is the better part of Valor. Yeah, I mean, not only do you not want to deal with mass petrification attacks in this game, but the word-for-world attack that the tree boss has... Yikes. Yikes. I mean, it, get, it gets special bonuses for being an Ursula K. Le Guin... Yeah, yeah, Ursula K. Le Guin title reference. But, no. So, no. Yeah, I really need to play, too. I just, uh... Yes, it turns I've got out. a replay of that essentially queued up on my PSP, just sort of waiting for me. Yeah. I really don't like playing games on iOS, so uh, I'm having, yeah. having it. I was really hoping the uh, Vita version was going to come over here after uh, the Vita version. Of, yeah, after Adventures in Man, I got the Vita version over here, but no such luck, so I'm probably actually going to have to do the Android emulator or something to play it on PC, because... Just, uh, yeah. iOS games don't work for me, unless unless your name is Hearthstone. I'm very bad at so playing I, things I, on phone. I, I know my wife would not approve, but I'm seriously want, thinking about getting a Vita. So. Uh, oh man, just so you can have Saga on the go. <laughs> Scarlet Grace, dude, Scarlet Grace. I just pre-ordered oh, it. Man. Ha have you seen the video? Yes. I've seen in screenshots, but I have not watched the actual video. It looks nicer than I was expecting, considering we've had almost no information about it until a few months Yeah, ago. it's kind of shocking how long they went dark on it after announcing it. Yeah, I mean, especially when you compare it to Legend of Legacy, where October, hey, we've got this game, let's look at the video. <laughs> wow. Three months oh. later, we're playing the game! Yay! <laughs> So is there any? I remember, like, I was reading about like 
Kawazu's actual presentation of that video, but other than that, I didn't hear much about him. I remember someone mentioning that he had apparently tweeted that he would have rather been just working on the game rather than showing it at a Tokyo Game Show, but that wasn't something that he was going to have the luxury of being able to do. Uh, so is has there any been is there been any hint of if there might be a sequel to Legend of Legacy? Not that I've heard of yet, but we can hope. Was like it probably did okay for it? So. It did well, actually. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, Fudryu uh, never had to say the so the word saga even once, and everybody. Everybody on the Japanese media side were like, "This looks a lot like Saga." Looking at, <laughs> looking at the staff list. Okay, this pretty much is Saga, and so you had all these blogs pretty much advertising it as the newest Saga that isn't, newest Saga that yeah, is not. like just covering it like they would have covered a Saga game. Yeah, I mean, they got a ton of coverage just for that. So. <sighs> nice. Hope we get some. Made. We get a more proper announcement of Scarlet Grace in English soon. Oh, that's right. I forgot there was some hoo-ha about that. There was a there was a trademark filed in Europe yeah. about sometime like early this year. Well, I'm still gonna import it regardless. Oh yeah, but I'm hoping. We can hope. Uh, we'll get it when it comes out on iOS. You sh you ah, God. Uh, I joke to hide the pain. Um. Should we go to the next saga question? Since that sure. was just the first one. Uh, have you ever completely finished all the character stories in any of the games? Well, I tried in Saga Frontier, however, like I said, my original copy was from Pawn Shop, that, and it had scratches on it. So I was lucky to finish Amelia's. Oh. Because that, there was, a, I mean, there was like a 50% chance that that game would glitch out on the first boss of her, of her, um, of her storyline. So, um, but I did manage to finish Amelia. Um, I think I somehow managed to finish Loot. Loot is uh, one of those ones where, like... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's easy like to get this final boss. It's just ridiculously difficult to beat it if you get there that early. Um, yeah, like, you just have to, like, know all of the side quests and know what you're looking for. Unfortunately, I got really good at navigating the bug points in all the side quests, which is why I couldn't finish several of them. Um, oh, God. Yeah. So I never actually did finish most of the storylines in that game, though I saw quite a bit of the game in the process. Um, Romancing Saga, I never actually went back to finish the last one or two. I really should. Like by that, yeah. By that point, it can be difficult to do it, it so concertedly, because by that point you've played through the game like six times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the main thing. Play through it twice, and you've seen... I mean, play through it three times and you definitely have seen everything the game has. Because that's the most that you need to unlock the last bits of bonus material. Yeah. The Shala, or whatever her name is. Um, Goddess of Destruction. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I play... Um, 
Well, I don't think there's any way to beat Saga Frontier 2 without playing both characters. <laughs> yeah, like, that one really, like, intertwines them in a way that the other ones don't. Yeah, and did a really good job, too. Yeah, uh, it's a really... It's a really neat, interesting, like, weird game that, like... Saga's always great because it can be weird by its own standards in ways that, like, push it both for and towards and away from what other RPGs are doing. Yeah. See, Romancing Saga 3, it really didn't matter that much which main character you chose for the most part, except if you chose Michael, in which case you got a very different opening sequence and um, the extra um, army battles. So, but most people had about the same experience, no matter who you chose. Uh, Unlimited Saga... I have yet to beat on anybody because that game is ridiculously difficult to get through in Japanese. It feels like it's in another language in English. I beat Unlimited Saga with all the characters. Wow. No, I totally did. Of course not. Of course not. Come on. Did you beat it with any character? No. Speaking of games where it really feels like Kawazu's trying to translate his personal Dungeons and Dragons variant into a video game. Yeah. Like that game that game is just playing a dun playing Dungeons and Dragons by yourself. Yeah. Pretty like, much. Replace, replace, replace the representation of a die roll with a roulette wheel. Yeah. But hey, at least you have a bit more control over the roulette wheel. A little. A little. Like you could theoretically get good at spinning the <laughs> spinning the wheel in Unlimited Saga, but then have the time, like, you'll get to, to a locked door and just keep trying to open it and then fall into a pit. Yeah. Did that quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, that happened to me a lot. Me and Wheels, like, one of the first things we ever did coordinated together was try to unlock the mysteries of Unlimited Saga. <laughs> like, it was just like, okay, you're gonna play this char character, I'm gonna play this character, and we're gonna compare notes. We're gonna try to figure out how this game works. It didn't go well. Yeah, no, we did not get any closer to solving than that. <laughs> The fact that the first bit of advice anybody has on playing that game is go check out this mega something, um, like one or two meg size text file on GameFAQs for all the proper information that the manual doesn't give you. Could have given us a nice novel sized manual trying to explain how that game works. <laughs> I remember. It needs, play it needs a player's guide like a Dungeons and Dragons. Or someone linked uh, some nice uh, tutorial videos somebody put up on YouTube, and like using the magic system was a multi-part video. Yes. How does magic work? Well, let me get you started on Magic 101. How do you get but magic? There will be a 201 and a 3. You need a yeah. tablet thingy. Then you have to use magic, and then you get the magic. Three-step process. It couldn't be more simple. Five sub-steps per yes. step. Uh, it's got really nice art, though. That game's very pretty. It's very That's pretty, but... But it's definitely one thing you can say in its favor. It's very pretty. Yes. It's a, a game that I appreciate. Uh, again, I can I have a lot of love for, like, really trying. And I'm given to understand that there's, like, comments from Kawazu at the time where he's sort of like, yeah, I don't think a lot of players are really going to get this game, but it's important to me. Like, yeah. yeah, that sounds like Kawazu. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
This um, that was the first game I ever saw for 250 yen in the PlayStation section. Oh. In 2005. Didn't they try to? Yeah. Didn't they try to sell that with like an FF10 2 demo in Japan? I think so. I think that may have been the only reason it sold. Yeah, it probably boosted its sales a great deal. Yep. Sold 500k if I remember if the Wikipedia article I read is to be believed. Something a lot of our PGs would kill to sell nowadays. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh. Alright, so... The third and final question. Which doesn't really work anymore because we put this off a little too long. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll read it anyway and we'll go from there. Yeah. And lastly, with impending, now available, news incoming on the Vita game Scarlet Graces this September, what improvement or kind of game are you hoping it will be? And with this being the first new Saga entry in almost a decade, do you feel they should port this to PS4 to widen the net and grow a new audience? I realize for you and Wheels, this question alone might make for a two-hour episode, so you do not have to answer all my queries, as most people have a love-hate relationship with the series, and you'd lose half your subscribers. I know, we've already Whoops. spent like an hour 15 mostly on this series. Listen, it's really easy to get us ta- to talk about Saga. It's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about is the trick. Mm. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, you set up a you set up a while loop, and then you just don't quite remember how long it's gonna go. <laughs> Before you know, it's an infinite loop. <sighs> but, no. Uh. Uh, yeah, went out of sales on that last uh, question a little bit, but but I, I like what I've heard about it. Yeah. Like, it sounds interesting. And really, that's what I want out of Saga. I don't really want specific, like, bring this back, because, like, yeah. there are a lot of things that I love, and, like, those come back in remakes a lot. Like, the remakes are always going to bring back what you loved about the old games, and really sort of, like, all the Saga remakes are really good. But, yeah. like... Saga 3 went out of its way to completely change most of its mechanics to be more like other games in the series. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I feel like for, for a completely new title, it feels good that like I couldn't have completely said what this was going to be and the fact that it doesn't completely resemble anything before. Yeah, I wouldn't really want to peg it and say, like, oh, I want it to be like Legend of Legacy or I want feature X, Y, and Z. No, I just want a game that feels like a saga game, and the finer details can be you know, whatever. What makes Whatever's interesting. saga so great is being so unpredictable. Yeah. You know, that said, although this one isn't really fitting this niche, I would like a, another saga game like the originals where you make your own party do have a hankering for another one of those, but not disappointed in the slightest that this one is not that. This one has, what, four selectable protagonists? Something like that? Yeah, four protagonists, and we're not quite sure on how many secondary characters, but they're saying maximum party five, and there will be like six characters per party, Hmm. no matter which Hmm. group you're in. Apparently, like, life points regenerate in this one. 
Interesting. Uh, see, I know in a lot of the games you could restore life points in, um, outside of battle in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like what I was reading, and like this could be like people misinterpreting it because, you know, the internet and its grasp of Japanese, but what yeah. I was reading was that like apparently like characters who who are out of battle will regenerate out of the active party when a battle is going on will regenerate LP. Now that well, could be cool. Yeah, it could be really cool. That's yeah. yeah. That sounds halfway legitimate. It's an interesting idea if it's the case. But now, like, I am, I am ready to accept Scarlet Grace for whatever it happens to end up being. Which is hopefully a really cool RPG. Yeah. Yes. We shall see. Um, any other saga-related thoughts before we move on? If you leave that option open, we're going to be here another hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you got to quit while you're ahead, behind, mm-hmm. somewhere in the saga loop. Something, something, go by Legend of Legacy. Yes, yes. Please. Give the series a chance and, like, just accept the idea that there are going to be things that you can't control for and that, that can make the game interesting. Yes. And if you're wondering, well, I want to read more about this, well, there are two fine reviews on RP Gamer. Uh, totally, Good. totally not by people on this show. They <laughs> say just. I mean, look through a certain Michael's list of reviews, and you will find a lot of saga stuff. <laughs> and we will leave you to guess which one Michael of the Michael talk here about because one because pretty much either one might actually do that. Fortunately, I have not gotten to do more than that just yet. Oh shit! I ruined the surprise. <laughs> just yet, quote unquote. Yes. Anyway, all right. Let's uh. Move on. We will pause here for a brief saga-related musical interlude. back and let's see here yes a question specifically for mr baker and uh was this from budai i believe so yeah if baker is going going to be on i would really like to hear him talk about the famicom disc system i've asked that before but he's never got around to talking about it well, I kind of missed out on any experiences with the Famicom Disk System because Nintendo finally officially phased it out in 2004, right before I came to Japan. Um, they, like, they had official support for that for so bizarrely long. Two th- wait, yeah. what? 2004? What? 2004. Seriously, look, look Two? it up on Wikipedia. What? Look it up on Wikipedia. Um, it's yeah, they the did official... not discontinue. <sighs> yeah. They had official um, support for it. I mean, they weren't making any more, but... I think, but they were at least supporting it. You and could, helped. like, send it in and they'd fix it. <laughs> yeah, because the thing had notably 
um, annoying, what was it, the, in, the little motors on the disc? Yeah, the motors are, like, they involve, like, rubber bands, basically. <laughs> yeah, so they would break down, like, all the time. But see, I'm yeah, trying to all that. I think, think the way it was that the Famicom disc system was originally made as a workaround to the fact that you couldn't save on the original games. Yeah, it was before they had, like, done battery saves. Yeah. It's also one of the first examples of of what Nintendo messed up in order to get come to its regular philosophy of let's work backwards from stuff that we already know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah Tale of Four. My God. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. They. Uh, you would, like I, I mean like the last Famicom game came out in 1994, so any time in the intervening ten years. FDS support it had dried up like two or three years before cartridge support did, just because by the time that, like, by the time that they would have thought to bring the FDS to America, and there was apparent, like, there's an expansion slot on the NES that could theoretically have suited it, like, all of the things that it was supposed to solve were basically solved. Hmm. Yeah, because it just, they... it just had its own bottlenecks. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much the, the idea of an internal battery on a cartridge rendered the entire system obsolete. And yeah, like it. And the issues with early 80s disc technology made it really hard to read the disc in any reasonable time frame, which is why we had the ridiculous loading times. Uh, Castlevania 2 needs to load because you left the town. Castlevania 2 needs to load again because you just got knocked back into the town by a monster. Oh. Oh, I was just reading over this again, and one part I'd forgotten was that Squaresoft originally had a branch dedicated to the Famicom disk system, and this is what what nearly pushed it into bankruptcy the first time, and which... (laughs) Which is why Final Fantasy had the final in it because they thought it was going to be their last game. That old story. Yeah, yeah nothing good comes. came of the disc operating group. Yeah. Yeah, disc original group. Oh, disc original group. That's what it was. I'm trying to think, like, what even was in, like, what even got published under that label. It's. Probably not a great uh, list. Well, Final Fantasy was supposed to be for the Famicom Disk System. Huh. That that good thing it was not. Yeah. But, I mean, Zelda was originally a Famicom Disk System title. I really, really like that when they released Zelda as a cartridge in Japan, they relabeled it Zelda 1. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers were both launch titles for this thing. Get your lost level. Yeah, like the other thing was that like you the how much a disc could hold was pretty set in stone. And cartridges they just kept like making larger ROM chips for, so Yeah, that was like by the yeah, time you get the problem. It's like yeah. the, the cartridges were more modular and more adaptable than the discs were. Yeah, like, like you get all those cartridges that have like special chips in them. You can't really do that with the FPS either. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of little things that just made it sort of untenable in the long run. Yeah. 
it it's like it was they a should. good idea, but at the same time, it was so far ahead of its time that the technology just could not manage it. Yeah, there were some fascinating things about it, though, just from like the fact that you could like take a game that you didn't want to play anymore, go to the one of those Nintendo stations, and rewrite it with something else. Yeah, actually, like, um, yeah, the disc writer and disc packs kiosks. It was things like people could take their discs with their high scores from this one from one racing game or something else, and they could have their scores uploaded via one of these kiosks and get it printed on a nationwide leaderboard. Imagine going on like an, a PS. Imagine a PSN leaderboard that you had to take it to the store to upload to. <laughs> yeah. But it was really novel. Like there was there was nothing like that at the time. It was fascinating. Yeah. But I'd imagine that there's there's also a degree of landmines to do with like purchasing retro disc system games in Japan because it's like does this actually have the game that it says it has on it? Because it might have been overwritten. <laughs> yeah. So um, but generally used game stories in Japan are really good about double checking stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine if, that the stores themselves have a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, oh yeah, we're talking about how long this thing lasted. Apparently the, the disc rider kiosk thing was the most popular yeah. aspect of the entire system, and that's how it managed to stay available until 2003. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's just imagining, like, that one guy that's just going in to frickin' put in his, like, his high score on, like, some random, like, shooter in 2002. Finally won. The war is over. But yeah, so here some of the some of the kiosks had a di disc fax system where you could save your high score onto the system and fax it to Nintendo, and then yeah, Nintendo I was just... put it on a nationwide leaderboard with prizes available. That's just such a crazy thing. Like, oh, of course, it's also built around the fax machine. Are you kidding? Fax machines are still. I mean, people still use fax machines in Japan. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. They're still current in this country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Japan one of those things where it's like... It's, it's one of those things where it's hard to persuade someone to stop using it because they've already got the system worked out. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I like, think that, the that used to be an issue for some people trying to go to Tokyo Game Show. Because a lot of times, the I mean, up until fairly recently, all of the sign-up stuff for Tokyo Game Show for reporting required a fax number. <laughs> and um, but the workaround was all you had to do was just put in your regular phone number anyway, and they would just accept that. <laughs> Fine, we'll get it to you somehow. Oh no, because I mean they knew most people never use the fax service anymore outside of Japan, but it was part of the hardwired. Um, sign-in format um, form. <laughs> it was a fascinating fit. Failure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I guess were there any notable games that were on the disk system that? Uh... There's a lot of stuff that debuted on it that yeah. like got ported. To, that got removed. 
like made a cartridge when it came to the U.S. Is there anything that never left it? Now, pretty much anything of real importance was later put to the uh, actual NES. Okay. Except for like Esper Dream, which it never got made over to the Nintendo, but its sequel was Super Nintendo. So. Esper Dream was very important. Yeah. It was a very good sign that we do not let Konami make action RPGs. If I ever actually, if I ever actually manage to finish this thing and review it, the first comment is going to be, "Okay, this game was made by Konami's um, one of the Konami divisions that were probably in charge of Contra." And so Ooh. this action, this is an action RPG made for people, made by action R- action game developers for action game fans, and you know the battles are actually not that bad. Um, the actual battles are pretty good. Except for bosses. Um, but everything else, what the hell are they thinking? I don't understand. Actually, bosses too. Bosses, what the hell are they thinking? Because the boss, I mean, there are no patterns. The bosses are almost always going to hit you too hard. And it's impossible to tell if you've actually hit the thing. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, uh... It's not one of... Konami's more sterling moments on the platform. Yeah. I mean, but seriously, name any decent Konami RPGs. Suikoden? Yeah, okay. that's, that's basically your okay. choice. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, a pretty big one. Rule. Uh, exception that proves the rule. Plus, yeah. which Suikoden are we yeah. talking about? Because depending on which one you name, you will have people very vociferously arguing for or against. Even two? One, two, and I'll, I might be willing to vouch for five once I've finished it. Yeah. Three is really slow. I can't. Five is slow, too, but three. Uh, and what about uh, well, all the Castlevania? What about all the Castlevanias that count as RPGs? Those aren't really RPGs. They have RPG oh. in them. <laughs> yeah. Plus, several of those were actually made counter to the will and design of Konami's main uh, uh, main brass. That's true. Well, Konami does what, suck. So. Like, was, wasn't Symphony of made as a placeholder because their 3D Castlevania project got delayed? Or was it a different... Like, Symphony yeah. of the Night was kicking around in development for like three years, I want to say. Which is why it's full of like weird random art assets. Why it's just here. Oh well, someone had time to draw it one day. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's not uh, uh, like it, it's clearly the process of a long development time where it wasn't considered important because 3D was the future and 3D was the future of the franchise. So what you're saying is Castlevania 64 yeah. was the masterpiece they were working for. That was yes. what they put the that was the, where they were putting that was the basket they were putting their eggs into. Nice. With us. Oh, and- and the 2D Metroidvania ones were the stopgap to keep the fans occupied. And so they didn't actually have, or they didn't exercise as much creative control directly from the top on those. Yeah, they had a lot more leeway. why they turned out just... so much better. Hmm. And yeah. Castlevania 64 is a dog turd. Yes. The, a dog to turd they released twice. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. <sighs> Listen, the second time you actually play as a dog. 
Okay. Castlevania. Let's talk about Lords of Shadow. No. Fun comments for no, that. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, we're not having this discussion. Get out. I, I haven't actually played any of the games in the series, and I can still tell you, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. Talk about how Mirror Fate vies with, like, adventure for, like, worst game in the franchise. It does not. Adventure is... No, 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 sir. I'm not going to let you do that. Adventure is the trash, trash piled on trash, covered in dog turd. This is not even an RPG, but no, Mirror of Fate is perfectly playable. Adventure is garbage. Yes, it is. Mirror of Fate is irredeemable. It's fine. It's fine. It's an okay game. Uh, no, I'm no. sure you can redeem it for a few cents as like recycling material. Nope, they won't take it. It's radioactive. Uh, uh, okay, okay do moving that? on because neither of these are RPGs. Grr. <laughs> I think I still have my copy of Adventure Two. I freaking hate that game. So bad. Hey, go play Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge and feel better about that. <sighs> Fine. Fine. Alright, let's see. What's our next question here? We had one in the middle. Uh, it's from Low Whoops. Western game I'd love to see as an RPG on a handheld. Ratchet and Clank. It would be easier to turn it into an action RPG, but no, I would get a strategy RPG with a heavy emphasis on puzzles and maps. For extra fun, there would be a second iteration of each stage along the lines of the Land of Carnage from Disgaea games. They would be hardcore puzzles that would test your skills and require more different tools and weapons, and maybe even characters in order to solve. I'd write this game's story and work with programmers to make sure everything I'm thinking of will work, and I'll find some hardcore puzzle masters to help me make fun, interesting, and... Hellishly difficult puzzles. Someone please hire me to make this game. I will contribute to making this re- a reality because that sounds fun. Contribute to this Kickstarter. Yes. I think that's. Uh, I think that it's a little late to convince Insomniac or even High Impact to work on that. But it's a nice. It's a beautiful dream. Yeah. Well, especially after the remake sold so well. Um, yeah, they're not going to be doing any tiny little projects. I'm sure ate the movie it was advertising lunch. Yeah, that's still funny that uh, it did so much better than the movie it was an advertisement for. Yeah. Whoops. But yeah, that'd be fun. I would play that. Like, the the uh, puzzle concept would work well with the segments of Ratchet and Clank that are normally uh, a uh, situation where like you're using a gadget to solve puzzles. So. Yeah. I like your ideas. Yeah, you got Moxie. It's a really cool idea, and we certainly no, it, we certainly could use more Ratchet and Clank. Always. Uh, First, now my brain yeah, is that's all we had. stuff. Donkey oh. Kong Country RPG. <gasps> oh. Yes. Yes. I like where your head's at. Okay, I can banish Kitty Kong from the party immediately. <laughs> I feel like Lanky Kong is a debuffer. Lanky Kong? 
That's uh, Donkey Kong 64. Yeah, I'm trying to... Oh, I, yeah, the one yeah, I haven't that, played. I played that game all the way through. Oh, wow. That game is awful. <laughs> uh, he has no style. He has no grace. So would this RPG be a spin-off of the cartoon series? Oh, uh, <laughs> That cartoon uh, I mean, series most, has most... an obligate song in every episode. It's the worst. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, since most of my experience with the actual game series has been Donkey Kong 64, I'm just going to go with that. It's going to be a spin-off of Donkey Kong 64. You haven't played the Super Nintendo games? Some, but not as much as I've played 64. Oh, you, I'm so sorry. You could finish all three Super Nintendo games 100% of the time it would take you to finish Donkey Kong Country, uh, Donkey Kong 64. So, like, obligately, if you finish Donkey Kong 64, you spent more time with it than any of the others. Yeah, I know. My roommates and I, we just tag teamed that game. We were, we were having fun seeing how who could finish which section faster. That that entire but game, I mean, like, like it was um, a game that I, I enjoyed. Like, I, I remember the Jack in the Box boss. Uh, oh yeah, that that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good that's a good boss fight. Like that game is frustrating because it has like a lot of things that are like, oh, this is neat, this is good, and then like. But so much of the gameplay just ends up being find which Kong is marked for this with this switch. Hit that switch. Uh, deserves better. Uh, well. What's I going to say? Donkey Kong Country 2. If you're going to play any of the Super Nintendo ones, is the one you should play. It also has an amazing soundtrack. It does. Uh, I need to check and see. All of them really do, actually. Yeah. I haven't really, still haven't played much of three, but it does seems to be the worst of the three. It is. It is the least of them. It is not without merit. Yeah. And the newer ones obviously are really good. Uh, but so if. If you were to make a party of three characters from Donkey Kong Country, who would you make your party with? Okay. So I hate ghosts, so Wrinkly Kong, Wrinkly Kong is out. Uh, but Cranky Kong is definitely in, because he's an old man with power. Um, Funky has access to jets, and in Donkey Kong 64, he looks like you're, like, terrifying uncle that is convinced that the government's about to take all of his guns, so he needs to buy hundreds of them. <laughs> um, so, so Funky is in there, because he's got, he's got like the weapon hookups. And... Mm, yeah, we need a debuffer, so I'm throwing in Lanky. Uh, I think I would def- the worst set of sentences I've ever constructed. I apologize. I think I would definitely do would do cranky, uh, Donkey Come Kong. Come on, cranky, take get to the fridge. Donkey Kong himself, and not Diddy. Uh, what's the girl's name? I'm drawing a blank Dixie. for some Dixie, and Dixie for a long range attacker. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like. Uh, Donkey and Cranky would have like a dual tech where Cranky like smacks Donkey with his cane and like launches him into enemies. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. The degree to which they built up, like, the idea that Cranky is just, like, eternally disappointed in his ter- terrible son-slash-grandson, depending upon which game and who's talking, uh, is kind of great, especially when they made the bizarrely meta uh, pseudo-port of Donkey Kong Country to the Game Boy, Donkey Kong Land, which is a about Cranky complaining that no one would play Donkey Kong Country if it didn't have 16-bit graphics and that Donkey Kong could never survive in an 8-bit world. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's a strange, strange game. Yeah. So if I remember right, Cranky is supposed to be the Donkey Kong from the original games, right? Uh, that is... I have no idea it's how Rareware's official take. Okay. Rareware's official take is that Donkey Kong is the Donkey Kong from the original... That Donkey Kong is the Donkey Kong Jr. of the original games, and that the original Donkey Kong is cranky. Gotcha. Which raises the interesting concept that Donkey Kong is a name passed down from Kong to Kong, like some <laughs> sort of like Genghis Khan sort of name going on. Interesting. But... Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's strange. Nintendo never acknowledged that uh, line of thinking officially, so uh, it well, depends upon who you are asking. Well, that's a shame because if you really draw out that thinking, then it's like, okay, Mario was in the original Donkey Kong. That means the Donkey Kong Country series takes place in in the future. In the future, past all the Mario games. That explains. Yeah. Frantic yeah, factory. this is canon and Fanon just really messed up. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, you get the terrible, like, I'm sure the Mario wiki that exists probably has an awful timeline. That's where I, oh man, the Mario wiki was great because it's where I was able to find the names of all of the Japanese dubbed episodes of the Donkey Kong Country cartoon, which I then used to find the Japanese dub of the Donkey Kong Country cartoon and watch it and be terrified. <laughs> It's uh, Good it's very bad, but but it sure had uh, some of the dub voice voices were certainly people I've re- recognized from '90s subtitled anime. <laughs> That's not always a good thing. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible thing. But hey, I mean, it me <laughs> not for why it wanted to be, but welcome to the age of Fatso. It's, no, no. Listen, I wasn't watching these with subs. I was watching them in in proper Japan. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, <laughs> very proper. Well, I think I marked out another backlog question if you'd like to go to that one sometime. Excellent. Ask away. So, before we like before we bring this topic to disturbing levels. Go ahead. Before, Before I bring up I can... that Ray Ayanami also voiced Diddy Kong. Oh, okay. Yeah, bring it back to something I can actually talk about. Um, let's see, who actually wrote this letter? Because it's part of a huge list. Um, it's probably all what it's done. Probably. It was, are there any RPGs that revolve around well-known sidekicks instead of main characters? Oh, mm. yeah. What about non rpgs you mentioned a note on this. Ah. There's probably a Sonic game out there that stars one or more Sonic, non-Sonic characters, right? I secretly pined uh, for a Rocksteady and Bebop game. And uh, now that he mentions it, I would like a game starting Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, that would be kind of hilarious. Yes. Also, the games he's thinking of are Knuckles Chaotix and that Tails Game Gear game. 
Uh, there are two Tales Game Gear games. There's Sky Patrol and there's Adventure. Adventure is actually not half bad. It's an exploratory platformer. Curse you for knowing more than me about Sonic. Yeah, that's, that sure is an enviable position, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Well, for the RPG, RPG answer to this question, almost all the answers I can think of come from Dragon Quest. Just because yeah. Enix has always been really good about just having fun little side stuff based on games. I mean, yeah. it could be like how um, like Dragon Quest Monsters 1 starred Terry from Dragon Quest 6. And three, or, it starred, like, Kiefer, didn't it? Uh, drag, yeah, Caravan Heart was Kiefer, a 12-year-old version of Kiefer. And then so you had... Quest 7. <laughs> yeah, it was a prequel. And it even had um, it even had a younger version of the Priestess of Dharma Temple from Dragon Quest 7 in it. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, it was because, because she was so young and inexperienced, she couldn't actually change people's jobs, but she could use Monster <laughs> Heart to change monsters around. That's super good. Yep. And then, of course, it had all of the uh, the mystery dungeon variations with Torneco and Yangus. Yeah, Shonen Yangus. Yeah, you had Dragon Quest Yangus. I need to try that sometime. It looked kind of funny. And the uh, Rocket Slime that games. Yeah, that's a pretty good roguelike, actually. Rocket Slime. Rocket Slime. All three Rocket Slime uh, games. Little Blue Slime for the slime, world. Buddy, buddy. Yep. There's there's something so infectiously wonderful about like looking at one of the boxes for those games and seeing the super happy slime just flying into your face. Yes. There's something in- infectious about the tootin' slime. Yep. I just, I just uh... wish the third game had been as awesome as the second, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, if there was, if we were only going to get one, we got the best one, but it's still a shame. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, like, for the third game, they took out the entire subplot where the Plob kidnaps everybody in the kingdom. And instead, you have slimes in cities all across the world. Oh, man. And I'm like, seriously, you should have just had them kidnap everybody in the slime kingdom and then every other place you visit being another monster kingdom. That would have been... Uh. makes so much more sense. Because there's a lot... There's- so many good Dragon Quest monsters. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they also took out some other things that would have been better, like, whenever you beat an enemy ship, at first you get um, one section of the plans for that ship. Mm-hmm. So eventually you can just change your ship around to anything you want, but you have to get all the blueprints for the ship first. Uh. But after that, all you get is money. Ah. Uh. Oh. Where, uh, I mean, it would have been making so much easier if you got, like, whatever random high-level item they happen to be shooting out of their cannon. Yeah. It like, would have uh, made it much easier... Oh, you've got some of your ammo left. I'll take like, that. Yeah. Um, like, oh... I think it was Aura Chalcon. Um, mm-hmm. One of... I mean... I actually did this the math out on a piece of paper once, but in order to get... The, an item that, or enough items to fill out one of the highest level enhancement things from Dr. Sid in that game, mm-hmm. um, you would need at base like 120 something pieces of Orichalcum. I mean, that's how much you would end up needing in order to make the items that helped make the items which made the items which made the item you wanted. 
because some of the some of the material requirements were like eight of something for this one thing. So wow. at the upper levels, the farming requirements were just insane. And it's a, it's and, a it's a rocket slime game. You're never going to need that, but it's just irritating. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of the items that you can make that were requirements for the later stuff, in Rocket Slime DS, you could actually win a lot of these off of tank battles. Yeah. And in some cases, that was the only way you could win some of them. Mm. But in, in Pirate Slime, you had to make them. Because uh, even, if, even if the enemies used them all the time, you couldn't actually get them from the enemies. That's, that's just... So there were yeah there were several spots where they just really dropped the ball, or dropped the slime. Um. <laughs> you ball shit shaped slime. Yeah. The easiest way to get uh, to get me to buy a stupid special edition, by the by, is for Square to include a slime plush with it. Yeah, <laughs> I really did not want to spend a lot of money on Dragon Quest Heroes, but they found the they found a way. Yeah. Hit weak point for massive damage. <laughs> weak point is nostalgia. Yes. Uh, they're so good. Like there's it, it is the slime is it's an iconically perfect design. Mm. And uh, but yeah. On the next question here, is there a formula that companies can follow to make successful games? based on anime, when the game itself is not particularly great. Hmm. Success, I think they've found this, the way to do it successfully. Like, those games sell, and they sell because even if, if the game isn't great, they slavishly imitate their source material. Or they're yeah, made I on mean, a budget seven dumb. I'm not quite sure what he's trying to ask with this question here, because it's obvious the companies do have a formula. It's just, it's not a formula for great games most of the time. It's a formula that calculates exactly how many sales they're likely to make and whether or not this balances out how much they spend to make the game. Yeah. You I mean, will it's the same, find the, same the occasional Okay. It's like the same cost-benefit analysis that results in a lot of the adventure and otome games in Japan. Yeah. Like, those That's things... The reason why they last on the PS2 so long. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, for the, when I say successful games, games that were really good based on anime, um, again, like Hamatora earlier this year was actually very good. It could have been a lot better, but it was still very good. Mm. And I think part of the reason for that was that, I mean, it had characters from the original anime series in it, but they were all on the side quests. Um, the main story of the game was tangentially related to a secondary plot point in the first, in the original series, but the location was completely different, and mm -hmm. the characters were completely different, original, and so they were able to provide a lot of the stuff that the fans of the series would really like, while at the same time not requiring anybody to know anything about the original. <laughs> so that's one reason I would call that one a successful... Um, anime-based game. Yeah, and, I feel... And a different one I could think of would be Kororo RPG. Tales of Kororo. 
where in that case, yeah, um, you need to know who the characters are, but you can get by just knowing the basics of each character. It does not rely a lot on the series history. It just relies on the characters being the characters. And the game succeeds far more because they had Wolf Studio do it. Um, (laughs) So... And they just made a really good game that happened to have these characters as the primaries. It helped that they had kind of a malleable license in that sense. Yes. They were pretty much uh, given carte blanche to work with it as long as they didn't change the basic characterization. Mm-hmm. And again, they took it completely out of the real world and into a fantasy world, and that helped a lot too. I was thinking of, like, one that I played that's, like, tangentially, like, not really tangentially, it's it's a weird case, was, like, I played uh, Gundam Breaker 3, and, like, that's not a great game, but it is the kind of game that I found interesting, because it was, like, because it bases itself essentially on the, uh, uh, oh, uh, build fighters essentially so it's like oh these are Gundam toys that you're having fight each other so you can do silly modular things where you slam together two gun- uh, Gundams and make like this really insane combination of your favorite Gundams which gives it a lasting appeal outside of just being a recreation slash advertisement of an existing series mm-hmm. that works too yeah um so you see on the forums where I was talking about all the games that I have given like one hour or two attention to and then just said I'm sell- selling the back. Um, I don't think like, I saw that post, actually. It's, it's under the staff blogs section. It oh, okay. started off as a one-a-day challenge, but I petered out after about two weeks. <laughs> uh, That's understandable. But, um, some of these games, some of them were anime spinoffs. Some of them were actually games that had anime spinoffs of them. Um, but um, a lot of them had very similar issues, like the massive "let's introduce everybody at once" scene, where like their their assumed intended audience already knows these characters, so they just immediately just dump them off. Yeah, I mean, it's not like that. It's like okay, they assume. I mean, they know that the intended audience wants to see it all at once. All the characters show up at once, but they. <laughs> assume that somebody else is going to be playing this game and won't know what's going on and so they dump everyone in on the first scene and and give them lengthy soliloquy style self-introductions at the same time nice yeah i mean it is i mean this one game i was like i'm just tired of reading this i'm tired of reading this and then i keep going about the same time i was playing star ocean blue sphere which takes the complete opposite approach where they, the developers know that if you're playing this game, you've probably played Star Ocean Second Story. We are not going to formally introduce any of the characters. If you want <laughs> these more characters, don't need to introduce yeah. themselves to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if you want the more details, you can just wait at the start screen, and it will shuffle through profiles of each character. Oh, but, but at the start of the game, it's just assuming okay, we have this group of characters. They're on a rescue mission. They all know each other. They're friends with the people they're going for. We're, we're gonna we're gonna start from this basic principle and work from there. And we are going. To that's really all you needed. And we're going to know to, about them. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, 
and we're going to completely ignore the fact that several of these characters never actually met in the original game. <laughs> because they were opera having a nice conversation. Hmm? I'm just saying yeah. Ashton and Opera Ashton, are having a nice conversation. Ashton, Opera, and Tracy's all together in the same... Um, yeah, in the one battle, yeah. Bowman just hanging in the rear. Yep. I mean, it, give, uh, I mean, it gives you six of the ten available characters right off... Or how many? One, Tracy, Bowman, Noel, Leon... Ten. It gives you ten characters right off the bat, and then two more to rescue, and two more optional later. Oh, wow. Damn. That is like a really overstocked GBC card. the main characters of the original game. So. That's surreal. Yeah. And instead, that is an overstocked GBC card, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I mean, I gave it a five for graphics, and I really meant it. It's like... This is rather amazing for a Game Boy Color game. Um, just knock around with it, even though I can't read it very well. Yeah, but um, oh, sorry, sorry. But yeah, the. I mean, they knew what they wanted with the story. They have. I mean, they let the world, the setting, tell most of the story, and they had a very well done surprise protagonist halfway or antagonist halfway through. Hmm. So that's really what they needed. All they needed was. A good setting, a good build-up, and a good antagonist, and they had a good game. Whereas a lot of these yeah. other other spin-off games, they focus way too much on the protagonists that have already been established. Hmm. Off and at the same time, they often can't go as far as they should with the protagonists if they're going to do that kind of thing. Yeah, like they can't. Can't really they like they know that the way that those protagonists were uh, by the end of the game is how people like them, so they don't want to like develop them too much yeah. further because that pushes them out of the territory of where they were. Like um, Tales of the World Summoner's Lineage, uh, among many other bad decisions made for this game, they used the time travel mechanic to bring the entire cast of the original game into the future. <laughs> <laughs> And so they spend way too many chapters focused on bringing these characters back and interacting with these characters when they can't actually do anything new with the characters. Yeah, like everything about that setup precludes them from doing anything with them. Yes. Um, partly because... I, I mean, they all come in... Po at. Um, it's supposed to be post-Tales of Fantasia, the, the time period that they're drawn from. So technically... Mm -hmm. Their story's already been finished. But then, because they're the fan favorites and the fans like them this way, they can't actually try and move the characters forward either. Yeah. So you still have Press and Mint being ridiculously shy and embarrassed around each other when everyone else is just shouting, go get a room. <laughs> Including the player. The player's probably shouting it louder than anyone else. For the love of God, Guys, I go know what get a room. you're doing. Yeah. Um, but also, that focus in the later chapters really took away from the development of the characters that they already had. Mm -hmm. Because there's several characters where they start making decisions toward the end which are probably justified, but they're not supported well enough to make sense. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I was thinking, I want to know more of how the 
evil Dark Lord wannabe came into power. I want to know more about the villain's backstory, because it actually seems more interesting. Yeah. And beyond that, I want, I would really have liked, I mean, the guy, the people who made that game, they made a very good, uh, like, competitive player versus player game, strategy game, mm-hmm. and then they decided to make the story mo- campaign mode the main feature, but they didn't rebalance any of the campaign battles for that in mind. Wow. So while... So while you can carry over monsters between battles if they survive, because it's dead and you're gone uh, for anything without plot armor. Um, otherwise, you're starting with level one monsters every battle, which you have to summon yourself out of the main character's personal stock of mana. Whereas the enemy side usually starts off with five to ten monsters on the field of, at whatever the current level is for them. Oh god. Yeah. That just sounds obnoxious. Yeah. Which is why which is why my main character was so much higher in level than anything else in the game from a very early point. Because that's the only way he could survive long enough to really summon up monsters that could survive. And the the like, you know how a lot of games have the the circle of weaknesses and strengths and stuff. Um, for Summoner's Lineage, the system of weaknesses and strengths was maybe about twice as convoluted as Pokemon and far less well documented. Oh, God. Yes. I had a lot of trouble figuring out exactly what would do extra damage to what. And when I happened to find something that worked, I ended up parking it on a healing spot and just letting all the stupid AI-controlled monsters just continue to crash against it and die. So, that's how I ended up with anything with a decent level of power in that game. Yep. This entire thing just caused me to see if there was any in-progress translations for Star Ocean Blue Sphere, and apparently it's on Eon Genesis' to-do list. Not surprised. It's a pretty big yeah. to-do list, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge to-do list. The last update was in 2012, but... Yeah. yeah nah, maybe one day. So, okay, so do we have time for one last question? Sure. I think this I is... got time as long as you... You got time. Okay. Okay, I, don't, I have no, time, no idea what time you guys need to go to bed. What? What is uh, bed? Uh, this is like... This is like an hour or two before Wheels normally goes to bed, so... Yeah. Uh, just checking. Okay, uh, well, since I don't actually have work today, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Well, I so, mean, nice. the Destiny expansion comes so, out tomorrow, so I should probably get some sleep tonight. Get in the trash. Because I won't be getting any tomorrow. <laughs> so, so, Victor's last question here. So, we've got soccer RPGs in Izumi 11. Tennis yeah. RPGs. Does Mario Tennis actually count as an RPG? Game Boy Color uh, Mario Tetra- Tennis does. Yeah. Really? Cool. I should try that sometime. Okay. Beat Rhythm RPGs. Sequence, Crypt of the Necrodancer. I'm going to add... Um, what? Patapon. Patapon 3 was actually classified as an RPG in Japan. Patapon. Yep. And then Brawler RPGs, Side-Scroller RPGs, Board Game RPGs, Adventure Game RPG Hybrids. I... I... 
reviewed all of those by now. Quest for glory! So, what are some gaming genres that deserve to be crossed with RPGs and have not yet been? Hmm. Uh, that's that's really hard. Like that, and have not yet been is hmm. getting into really tough territory. So how, about, how about you guys suggest a genre mashup, and I see if I can if I've actually played a game like this. Hmm. Uh, this is gonna be tough. Okay. Uh. I mean, like, I have played a mashup of fighting, beat 'em up fighting game and tactical RPG before. <laughs> oh man, that sounds right up my alley. Uh, it was Croquet, um, um, Heroes of the Stars, I think. It was a DS game based. It was an anime DS game, or anime based mm-hmm. DS game. It's one of the better ones, in my opinion, because again, they didn't really force the introductions down your throat, but mm-hmm. the different stages of the game it, along the tactical format played yeah. out like it's like an unreleased season of the anime oh that's neat so it For actually it worked out very that. well on a long scale but um so you had fighting i mean you could position units across the field tactical style but the battles were actually up to three like three on three fighting uh, like platformer fighting games So, I mean, it wasn't that, a terribly good game. It was a really, really cool in its own way. It was a really neat idea. Yeah. And it was reasonably well executed. It just wasn't boom executed. So, okay. So, any suggest any challenges, see if I've played something like this. Uh, space Shooter crossed with uh, Tactical RPG, I guess. Okay, because if you didn't say tactical, I was going to say Sigma Star Saga, kind of. Ah. Um. R-Type Tactics? Yeah, maybe R-Type Tactics. Um, that's, I'm, I'm trying to remember something I saw a long time ago. And it might have been something like R-Type Tactics, or maybe Darius or something. Yeah, I think Darius got a similar, like, weird one. Oh, there's, like, a weird Parodius, like, tactical RPG, I think. That, too, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, there's R-Type Tactics, which at least take trees that was originally Shooter. Um, oh, yeah, the screenshots. Okay, I'm gonna have to just share this with you on, here on the message thing. Um, let me see, where, how do we get messages working? There we go. Let's take a look at the screenshot. It's on Wikipedia for R-Type Tactics. Huh. Hmm. I'm going to have to try this sometime. Interesting. R-Type, or you could play the sequel, the absurdly named R-Type Tactics 2 Operation Bitter Chocolate. The the title actually is Bitter Chocolate? Operation Bitter Chocolate. That's... Okay. See, yeah, and there's also there's Paro Wars, which is a similar concept. Proteus got weird. Oh, Proteus uh, was born. Yeah, yeah. 
I love I love everything about like the way the Parodius games were made. I think chatting Parodius forever with me is my personal favorite video game name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that would be the closest to an actual shooting tactical RPG that I can think of. Okay. So many just weird things that have been crossed over with an RPG just to sort of see if there was an audience for it. I remember there was like a pinball RPG at one point. At least one, yeah. I mean, I've played first person... I mean, I played this... One of the games I burned off of my backlog list was Crime Crackers, which was like a mid-90s style first person shooter RPG. <laughs> yeah, I heard about Crime Crackers. It a... I, I mean, I'm not I'm not that good at first person shooters to begin with, and um, I couldn't beat the first level in that game. Oh god! No, it's just There's I kept a... running I kept running out of the energy bullets, uh... and I couldn't really um, I I don't know if this is me or a problem with controls. Probably a problem with me, but I couldn't dodge and shoot well enough to avoid uh... everything the boss is throwing at me. Yeah, early first person P. Yes, one game means its controls are probably not going to be. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a video series that I keep track of that like tries to document like a lot of the weird early like Japanese PS1 games that is just doing an episode of Crime Crackers. Well, I've probably right played a lot of the list. I've probably <laughs> yeah, played a lot yeah. of the There's like an episode that's just like the the guy doing it just being baffled and confused about how on earth a train uh, train simulator actually works. <laughs> oh, train sims uh, are big yeah. Oh yeah, that's there's there's an RPG train simulation. <laughs> Roughly, yeah, they have done RPG versions. Um, yeah, and see, um, you know, Power Pro, the the baseball team simulator. Yeah, yeah, GKO Power Power Pro. Yeah, we have one of those listed on our side. <laughs> because back in, I think, 2012, I ended up reporting on one that had an RPG mode. Oh, my God. It was kind of the B side of the game, but it still had an RPG mode. Like, that mode was in there. You couldn't ignore and part of the fact that there was RPG. The, the, mode, actually, the mode actually took uh, various players from the baseball game side and threw them through a magic portal into a fantasy world. What? I'm not joking. Just whatever, man. Let's just make an RPG. Yes. <laughs> oh man! Like now, just yeah. Someone, someone has tried nearly everything at this point, regardless of like sense making. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to like try completely... and make a really recent genre. Well, hmm. Yeah, like Minecraft clone, but that's Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah. Or and Terraria and um, Airship Hue, which is a Metroidvania action RPG Terraria clone. Oh, oh wow! I played part of that two years ago at TGS. It was pretty good. Me. Yeah. So. See, yeah, like you, you get into like these things that's just like 
I don't know. Did anyone ever like? Did, we definitely did rhythm games, but like, but Bimani style rhythm games. Did those ever cross over with RPGs? Hmm. Um. Well, I guess you could say Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, like, since yeah, since but Necrodancer actually I, I, like, has a, a setup where you can connect a dance pad to it and dance your way through the game. Yeah, I had a friend who did that. Actually, it was pretty fun, but. Uh, like, I, I was just thinking about more, like, a more traditional RPG, because Necrodancer is combining, like, roguelike, and that's that's getting into, yeah. it's getting into, like, really heavy semantics. Uh, a light gun yeah, shooter, I, I, know, I, I, I I originally didn't um, actually get and put a game page up for Necrodancer, because I thought it was far more on the action side of the gestalt, and not really RPG stuff. And sometimes even beat rhythm battle systems. Yeah, those are always fun. <laughs> but uh, I just remembered that I think uh, Point Blank 3 has a pseudo RPG mode, although I have no idea if it's just a parody as would be the want of Point Blank. Yeah. Um... I mean, um, see, one of the one of the other games I burned through, Circadia, is very much a visual novel game. Yeah. It just happens to have occasional battles. Oh, hey, we also can talk about that. that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you flip balance, if you flip balance around a bit, you'd end up with something a lot more like Persona. Yeah, yeah, because Persona's like an RPG that has a visual novel in it, basically. Yeah. And Circadia would have been a lot like that if they had rebalanced it a bit differently. Yeah. What the heck was the name of that visual novel strategy RPG I played? Tears to Tiara 2. Thank you. That was a really fun, a really fun tactical RPG and a really bad visual novel. A really good sleep aid. Yeah. Yeah. I fell asleep on multiple occasions playing that game. Well, then... You would have loved one of the other games I did on the Purge, um, Aria Hatsenki, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I just pulled a like a special version of the game or something, but the opening visual novel section never ended up in a battle. <laughs> um, I, I, I kept fast forwarding through the text while watching an entire like two DVDs of. Star Wars The Clone Wars episodes. <laughs> and I never got to about this is like three hours. In. Yep, that sounded and, pretty familiar actually. <laughs> yep. And I, I never could figure out if this was actually the way the game was supposed to be or if that special something or other version marker on the title said this is for story only. Because the back of the box had battles. It had seen battle um graphics. I never saw those. There has to be a battle somewhere. Has to be. Oh, I just found that in your thread, actually. Yeah. I promised a strategy RPG with a strong story. So far, that's me pressing the O button a lot while pushing through introductory dialogue scenes. Ten. <laughs> Ten of them and counting at this point. No choices, no combat or other gameplay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
gone through four episodes of Clone Wars in the background while doing this. <laughs> yes. It's just so much text. Someone cared. I'm not sure who. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's not like it was like sequential stuff. We were, I was looking at multiple year jumps between some of these scenes. I was looking at complete changes in location and character. Um, I was looking at big reveals where this character who appeared at the very in the very first scene returned nine scenes later as an instructor at the school. I mean, I was it was. This a, is the dangers of when you. Yeah. When you don't have an editor. <laughs> Either that or your editor is such a big fanboy that he doesn't care. Yeah. You don't have an effective editor. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah that sounds like just kind of a sad experience. I was promised tactics. Uh, Farland's saga. Sort of darkness. Oh man, this looks very PS1 RPG. <laughs> Which one? Oh, I just saw uh, Sword of Darkness. Sword of Darkness was a PC Engine game. Oh, wow. The original version. I kept it just because it looks oh, like... Okay. I kept it just because it looks like it's one of those classical JRPG things that they just really had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. got an interesting sprite style, actually. Yeah. But it also does the annoying thing where you cannot actually push straight up against a wall. If you walk into a wall, you start walking up or down. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran into that. Like, that issue was, like, the only real issue I had with Fantasy Star 4. Is, like, I'd be trying to inspect something on the wall, and then the character would just start walking in some other direction. Yep. Yeah. Because the game would just sort of assume I was trying to walk around it and... Not, and somehow too lazy to actually press a button. <laughs> yep. Uh. <sighs> oh, that was so... <laughs> so, anything else we can talk about? Uh, let's take one last look at the backlog. See if there's anything worthwhile. At least in this particular context. Well, here's an interesting one. What do you think about Nintendo saying that Paper Mario is just not going to be an RPG anymore due to the Mario and Luigi games being their RPG go-to? I felt like the games were different enough, both in game mechanics and presentation, that they could run side-by-side, side, but not Nintendo. As much as I enjoy some of the Mario and Luigi games having everything tied to each button and making... The game, as well as battle, revolve around timed presses of the buttons has made me enjoy the Mario & Luigi series less than Paper Mario. I like being able to time a button press right to do extra damage, to block some damage, but everything in Mario & Mario and Luigi games seem to revolve around what is essentially quick time events. I wouldn't agree with that for the most part, but anyway, progressing through the game and succeeding at battles feels exactly the same. What do you guys think? Well, I, I would only ever argue. Played... Oh, God. I only ever played the first Paper Mario game, and I really liked it. Oh, you, it's should, quite good. you should play the follow-up then, because it is. Uh... Thousand Year Door is yeah. a very good, good direct follow-up. Oh, what system is that for? GameCube. GameCube. 
Uh, see, that'd be the reason I never played it. Uh, um, yeah, I figured. Okay. Uh, like, I feel like the issue is that while we could probably deal with two concurrent Mario RPG series, I don't think that the general public is that interested in having more than one. Yeah. Yeah, th this really sounds more like something that came from a focus group meeting. It's like one of those things where it's like, when you put them side by side, people know that they are Mario RPGs, but they can't really tell much of a difference between them, and they, like, probably aren't interested in that many Mario RPGs. They're interested in some, but not a lot, and so you get, like, once every couple years, there's the Mario and Luigi game. Yeah. But, like, the aesthetic of Paper Mario still has value, so they're like, well, what if we made it more of, like, an adventure -y sort of thing? Yeah. So, it's... so that's how you end up with Color Splash. Yeah. It's a lot more about um, brand identity. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think the Mario and Luigi series has sold better, too. It's it's generally been on platforms that sell better as part of it. Yeah, that's true. Game Boy Advance, DS. Game yeah. Boy Advance and DS, 3DS. Like The one time that Paper Mario would have had an advantage would have been early in the Wii's lifetime when they did Super Paper Mario. So... Which is, in my opinion, a fantastic game, but a lot of people. It's a very didn't interesting like it. game. It's it's interesting. Like it's one of those things that like, like it, it runs into the issue that I kind of have with a lot of the Mario RPG series, where like they get kind of caught up in like trying to have clever dialogue, and that means that they get they, they just talk a lot, like yeah. they're really chatty games. Mm -hmm. It's a. Uh, it's it's kind of sad, but like I'll see what Color Splash ends up being. Like I thought that Sticker Star was an interesting, not completely successful, but still decent game. So. Yeah, I mean it's sad that you know, I I agree. I'd like the Paper Mario RPGs better, but you know it doesn't. The series could turn into something interesting as well. So we'll see. The real thing I miss in Mario and Luigi is the ability to swap characters and thus have like two different abilities unlocked each time you got something so like in the original paper mario when you like you hammer uh like mario and he like shrinks down so that he can fit through smaller holes or you switch and have mario hammer luigi and luigi hammers straight into the ground and becomes like a drill <laughs> but like the later games don't allow you like Mario is always in front, Luigi is always in back, and I think that was to simplify the control scheme because, like, especially with the second one where you had four characters to control at all times, like, having them constantly switch which button is which, like, probably confused players, so they didn't want to do that, so yeah. you ended up having a lot less fun that they could have with just, like, oh, this character and this character just being dicks to each other in ways that are helpful. Really, my ultimate Mario and Luigi idea is to do Wario and Waluigi, where the two are just wailing on each other constantly. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Mario man. and Luigi, you're held back to some extent by the idea that they probably do care about keeping each other from dying. Whereas Wario and Waluigi, you could really just have them go to town on each other because they don't care. <laughs> oh, I, I, we need that game. That sounds hilarious. Yeah, I really want that game. That is like my like if I were allowed to pitch one game to Nintendo to have them make, that would probably be what it was. <laughs> oh, that might be something that would be, be interesting for people to like write in their thoughts. Like if you could have 
one game and like you know try to get a little creative but to have like a company just sort of like you get one game to pitch them and they'll take it like what do you want out of them uh, Capcom Capcom making a fairy tale monster hunter clone oh, oh man that does sound like your thing <laughs> like their primo uh, main monster hunter team making it no it's secondary team, team on it. yes exactly because there, there is a like Monster Hunter clone uh, fairy tale. It's just game. not. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, Wario and Waluigi partners in crime. Get on it. <laughs> oh man, it right it writes itself. It really does. There's like you know, it's fun in the same sense that Wario Land was, where it's just like you can just completely rewrite the rules, but there's still like an idea of what these characters are. <laughs> Give it a Warrior Land soundtrack too, because those are always really neat. <laughs> but I think we're about closed up shop on this. I believe so. We burned through a lot of the backlog. Lots of newer questions as well. Lots of saga discussion. <laughs> no. No. Not enough. But Quite a lot. Never enough, but certainly some. Sure. Alright, so let's lap, wrap it up with final thoughts and random other yeah, things we're working on. I thought they were still making Tanju Hero games. Sorry, I'm just still going down the thread. That's alright. Still making which games? Hanjuku Heroes. Uh, Hanjuku Hero. Oh, yeah, that was the last one. Yeah. That oh, was well, the one yeah. where the where the actual Japanese kana text looked like somebody's second grader had written it. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, not, not the actual content, uh, even though the, the main character is suitably childish himself. The handwriting. Like, the font is just a really bad, yes. bad choice. I mean, it's, it's, I mean it's, it really brings to mind the Mr. Saturn font from Earthbound, except it's supposed to be legible. Oh, my, <laughs> yeah. oh my supposed God. To be. Yeah, because, like, Mr. Saturn is supposed to be half, like, I can barely tell what is even being said here. <laughs> I should go look up what the Mr. Saturn Japanese font looks like. Actually. Oh, Mr. Saturn. Uh, so, I am currently working on a Sheeran review, as I mentioned, and I am also working on a reviewing eventually one-way heroics which so far has been kind of disappointing but we'll see how it goes uh, I finished going through the first four fantasy star games now I have to find something else to obsessively attempt to understand the legacy of yeah. so probably like shining force or something yeah. oh also one more th one Any more suggestions uh, I just want to say one more thing. I'm going to be reviewing. I'm going to be streaming Monster Hunter G at some point in the near future. Huh. I'm sure I can echo you while you do that. <laughs> that is the Wii version. Yeah. There, there is a non-Wii version of G, but the Wii version is the one he's streaming. <laughs> yes. Like a PS2 version of G, or is it? There's a PS2 version. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, the Wii version has controls that 
don't make me want to break my controller in half. Yeah, that was that beautiful period where people were like, hey, let's just map hitting things to the right stick. Yeah, that's a great idea. I play some yeah, let me go. Jet Lee's rise to honor. Let me go play some Monster Hunter Dose. <laughs> or not. Don't, don't play. Don't yeah, play. no. Yeah. Otherwise, the last thing I need to do is actually figure out which game to play next to my 3DS. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. I've got Ace Attorney 6 and Dragon Oh, my God, that reminds me. I never got, occupied on that front. never got to talk about Yokai Watch 3. Oh, really? oh, man. Yeah, I totally purchased that on my Japanese 3DS. Because I remembered that, hey, the eShop takes American credit cards. <laughs> so why not? It's just for people like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, that's Let's been... See. Yeah, they also... Uh, that's been pretty neat. Uh, and I, get I got the, really... Got... I get the lovely uh, music every time I fire that game up. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. America uh, Dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got really excited. Cause... Good. Oh, no, I've got I've got an interesting set to choose from, though. What do you got? got? Well, I've got the Shonen White Tom RPG. Ooh. That crazy crossover thing. Yeah. And I've got Sword World 2.0, which I need to finish sometime. Um, that oh, speaking of interesting combinations of genre, that one is a game book RPG. Oh, hmm. that's neat. So technically, most of it is read. Hmm. Uh, it requires a late junior high, middle moderate high school level of Japanese to read through. So this is fun, hmm. but occasionally you have to roll dice for battles <laughs> and other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, however, the last time I tried to play it, I got completely lost in this labyrinth in about the fourth or fifth chapter, and it turns out that if you take too long, your torch goes out and you do get eaten by a Gru. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, oh. I, that's why I stopped playing it about two years ago, and I need to just come and find a guide online and yeah. play uh, it. I'm sure someone must have mapped it, at the very least, so... Oh, I know they have. I actually found it listed somewhere. I just never got around to it. And then I've got uh, a game called Item Getter, which, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not so sure about it, but it's been on my shelf for half past forever. Um, <laughs> and um, what else do I have that's new-ish? Hmm. Hmm. I guess I still have the Inazuma 11 games. I should try those sometime. It's about eleven of those. Yeah. And, um, I was I was pretty disappointed with that series. Yeah. And let me think here. Other than that, it's a question of what to replay. Yay. Because I, I really feel like I really feel like going through like Nino Cooney or Metal Max three or Maple Story again. You just Metal Max. You just had to bring up Metal Max three, didn't you? Yeah. I have to <laughs> do it. Actually obligated to bring it up at least once per uh, Do it. I want me some Metal Max. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've already reviewed this one. I just feel like playing through it again. Yeah, no, I just want to hear your impressions again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Metal Max okay. 3, the, the review title was The Ballad of Drum Can Jones. Because <laughs> seriously, the character wakes up with amnesia and early on is confronted and has to give a name. And the first thing he sees when he looks around is a drum can. So he calls himself Drum Can. And then the player is given a choice of surnames. Smith, Jones, or I can't remember the third one, but I figured Jones was perfect. Yeah. So he went through the Drum entire game known as Drum Can Jones. That's super good. Yeah. I'm like, if this is not I mean, if this is not somehow a reference to Kurosawa's Yojimbo, um, I will eat my hat. <laughs> so have you seen Yojimbo? They seem like they would have been aware. I I know of Yojimbo, but I've never gotten around to like sitting down and watching so, like half um, the Kurosawa films I need to. Yeah, so Yojimbo is the original inspiration for A Fistful of Dollars with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. So, much like Clint Eastwood's character, Yoji- in Yojimbo, the main character does not have an official name. Mm-hmm. He, he never tells anybody his name. But when one of the crime lords asks him his name, he looks out the window and he sees uh, um, a... Uh, Tsubaki, a uh, camellia tree. So he yeah. called, So he says, oh, okay, well, that's a very beautiful tree out there, and I'm 30 years old, so my name is Tsubaki Sanjiro. Uh. <laughs> or camellia tree guy who is 30 years old. <laughs> and that is the name he uses throughout the movie, oh. and a couple years ago they made a remake of it, and they actually called it Tsubaki Sanjiro. Uh. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. that if Stuff that Metal Max Three is not a direct reference to that, I will eat my hat because there are so many references in that game. I mean, you know, I, I've got some material I was going to save up for the backtrack, but I have no idea if we'll ever actually get to the backtrack for Metal Saga. Um, so in Metal Max Three, far far in the southwestern corner of the map, there is this abandoned resort, like a beach resort. Mm-hmm. And it's just full of dead people. There are Bye-bye. there are two there are two skeletons lying side by side on beach chairs holding hands. There's another one lying dead in bed. There's a third one I can't remember where. But then you come across the journal of the last survivor, and he's talking about, oh, this person died this way, this person died this way, and finally, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to walk out into the ocean and never come back. Okay, so it's. Obviously, very, very, very uplifting already. But yeah, I thought, this sounds a little familiar. So I did some internet searching, and I found the plot outline to an old post-apocalyptic novel called On the Beach. Yeah, I was going to say, is this an On the Beach reference? The entire area exists only to be a reference to On the Beach. <laughs> there, there is no plot purpose for this spot. It is... That was it how the world ended, bad. not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yes. Yeah. And why was this game never localized? Why? Uh, well, the original games, probably because of violence and drinking references and possibly some prostitution references. <laughs> and during the Super Nintendo period. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... yeah. Everything else, blame yeah. it on Metal Saga. Metal Saga just did not do well. Metal Saga is the second weakest game in the series. So. Is the is the very first one the weakest, or is it one of the other weird ones? 
very first one is definitely the weakest. Thought so. Yeah. Um, second one, awesome. DS one, weak in different ways, but still a much stronger story. What's the right word here? Um, so Metal Saga PS2 fell apart because the story was just limping all over the place. Yeah, it really doesn't really do anything. go anywhere. Uh, but it had pretty good tanks. The DS version ha- only allows you to have one tank at a time in your party. Oh, that's lame. And it limits you to two party members plus the dog. But mm. it allows you to double up people on the tank so you can fire multiple weapons at once. Plus, it has the most it has the most linear story of any game in the series. Hmm. So, which is a good thing and a bad thing because it also really limits uh, exploration at times. Mm-hmm. And at at the end of my Metal Saga DS review, actually no, at the end of the Metal Saga PlayStation Two review, I did. Is like, okay, if you took all the stuff that this game did right, and you took all the things that the DS game did right, and you put them together, you'd have a pretty good game, and it would be called Metal Max 3. Uh, <sighs> Metal Saga DS Metal also Max. did a lot of stuff with the battle system that really improved the stuff. Like, it was the first game in the series to allow you to put multiple weapons on a character at once. Oh. Uh, oh. So, so you could only use one uh, weapon per round of battle, usually, but you could carry three different guns with three different effects. Mm. Oh, man. Stuff like that. Yeah. I need to, like, I have a Japanese 3DS. Like, I have no excuse to not pick up Metal Max for... Any of them. Just um, Metal Max... Really? Um, Metal Saga yeah. DS, Metal Saga... Metal Max 2 Reloaded, Metal Max 3, Metal Max 4, go for them. They're probably Definitely. also relatively cheap at this point. For the most part, yeah. I need to like use that thing to finish Dagak Ten Saibon now that they just announced Dagak Ten Saibon Two. But yeah, we were talking about Parodius. One of my favorite uh, ways of explaining Metal Max is if you took. <laughs> It took the basic concept of Fallout and you crossed it with Parodius. Oh, man. That is a pretty good description. <laughs> yeah. One of the other descriptions is what? imagine what would happen if the if one of the uh, develop, developer groups from Squaresoft circa 1997 decided to marathon the, Me- the Mad Max series while drinking tequila and red. <laughs> Because that's pretty much what you get with Metal Max 3. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that's that's the one that even gives you motorcycles so you can be a road warrior. Yes! Yeah, because with, with the motorcycles, you can still use personal weapons while riding it. So you can drive around and whack stuff with a sword. Mad Metal Max. Yeah. And this was also the game that gave you a giant mechanized garbage truck as a boss. <laughs> Seriously, this this looks like if you had a garbage truck outfitted in Fury Road style with bright neon colors instead of the usual 
that's what this boss looks like. That's up, great. Up to the point where you get him down to about half hit points, where it is suddenly revealed that the boss is actually all of the junk in the back of the garbage truck. <laughs> the garbage truck itself blows up, the junk flies up in the air and rearranges itself into a modular robot. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And this is a random wandering boss, by the way. Um, oh, it looks like you found a picture here. Yeah. Yeah, this is a magical image. It's actually... It's actually on the listing for Metal Max 3 on Amazon. Yes. But yeah, all the pink stuff should. in the back of the garbage truck there, that is the actual boss. <laughs> it's just tight. And it's firing missiles at a Shiba Inu. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Pochi, the Shiba Ken, the hunter dog, yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. This is a series that deserves Nothing a shot much in the like US this game. Hmm? You know, I'm saying this is a series that really deserved a fair shot in the US and never will get one. Yeah. Wheels! What? 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 You are definitely playing Kyokai Watch. <laughs> Three. Yes. Okay. This is terrible. So, Wheels, did you did you hear what the uh, the two different option special monsters were for no. Yokai Watch 3? No. You had Tom and Yan, and you had Last Salmon Yan. They are both Tom Cruise jokes. <laughs> That's so... Oh my... I just realized what one of them is. Tom, I don't... Tom and Yan actually has a Tom Cruise-style haircut. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. America! I have no idea which one goes with which version right now. I just remember that those are two of the version differences. That's great. Last salmon, Jan. Yep. I got uh, tempura. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so hilarious. The first yokai you get is uh, an ear of corn. <laughs> yep. yep. I suggested he get tempura. Just because I happen to like tempura. I think that was basically the thing that casted the, the deciding vote. <laughs> it's just so funny seeing English text in this game. It's like, hey, there's bits I can actually read. And these are supposed to be the unreadable parts. <laughs> it's good attention to detail that they didn't just have them sprout, spout gibberish. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Unlike um, Wild Arms 3. Oh, God. Um, I played this in Japanese, and I remember think, um, in one of the prologue sections, a character is reading a newspaper, and the newspaper is written in English. However, if you look closely at the text, you realize that it is actually promotional material for, um, I think, the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> not, not that, I mean, it couldn't be because it was a PlayStation game. It was a promotional material for something. Um, like that sort of, like, like just something they would have just found and just shoved in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was a different game that actually had promotional material for the Game Boy Advance in it. The Wild Arms Three had something similar in the newspaper there. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just gets gets crazy in a good way. And otherwise, uh, right now, um, let's see. While and while we were starting up the podcast, I managed to lose against the final boss of seven, the Molemorph Cavalry. Like that's a name name that I don't think I've ever even heard. Like what? Let's just bring this bring this full circle and explain to me a bit more about this game. Well, do you know the game Venus and Braves? Ever hear of that one? Uh, no, I don't think I do. I've, the okay, well, the is name is ringing a bell. I can't remember what it but, is. Um, yeah, they were a pair of early PlayStation Two games with really uh, nice cell shaded, like almost hand painted style graphics. Ah. Oh. Like one of the rooms in one of the inter, um, interstitial rooms in the final level has this lamp um, swinging forwards and backwards, and yeah. the entire thing is painted. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's got some really beautiful graphics and four different instances where they do fairy tale telling style um, cutscenes. I wish they'd done more, to be honest. Um, but the battle system, you have, I mean, it's called Seven. You have seven yeah. people in your active party, and you can have seven people in backup to switch out between battles. And you have to set them up in a formation, and the only real control that you have is placement of the characters in the formation and controlling the rotation of forward to back in battle. Because characters hmm. can only heal on the back row if they have a healing ability. So it is it's part RPG and mostly tactical puzzle game. Weird. It is really bizarre. So, <sighs> my old save left me seven battles before the end, so I've finished seven battles, and now I'm at the final boss. And now you have to in, solve in that puzzle. Game fashion, this game, this game introduces new gameplay elements all the time, and the last gameplay element introduced is the boss is able to steal health from you. Oh, oh God! <laughs> previous, um, like the previous set of uh, big battles, offered um, stuff like can curse you so that you can't heal, Th and things like that. <sighs> yeah. So I will let you know if I ever actually finish this thing, and then I'll probably play through the first chapter or two again just to get caught up on how the story actually began, because I think I remember, but I'm not sure. And then I'll Right out the experience a bit. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, my previous save file was ten and a half years ago. I'm just impressed that you remembered anything about the game. The, the ability to recall really anything about that game's plot after that long is kind of impressive. I just have a very stupid level of memory for randomly useless stuff. <laughs> I can remember cartoon series from when I was six and seven. Sometimes I sometimes can't remember the title, but I can remember the series. I can or usually remember the title and then remember nothing about it. Yeah, which is why I can recall. I actually can recall various episodes of the Mario and Luigi Super Show almost verbatim. <laughs> Not just the cartoons, Girl, the live action section. It's true. 
like the time they had a version of Hal um, installed in their basement to serve pizzas. And it kept serving really ridiculous, awful, weird pizzas like high heel shoe, something weird like that. And they kept refusing to eat the pizzas, and so Hal decided to get angry at them and it brainwashed them into eating all the pizzas that it had spent so much time trying to make. Man, what the hell fever dream was this freaking show? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I, I swear to God, they actually, the live action section actually had a Mikhail Gorbachev imitator as in one plot line. Where they were trying to, um, he was asking them for advice on how to set up a pizza delivery company in Russia. <sighs> I don't know why Poor I remember this sort of stuff. In whatever I, I, at that I point. do remember this stuff, but I do. <laughs> we need to stop it this before we wander in, further. It comes <laughs> really handy for backtracks. But my wife is wondering if I'm on Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> also reasonable. <laughs> yes. Uh, All right. And I don't do drugs. <laughs> Ever. Impressive. All right. So let's wrap this thing up. Uh, you can send us questions in the forums, which is what most people use these days, on the threads for this episode or any other episode that you happen to see a thread for. Uh, well, don't dig up old ones, but, you know, any of the recent ones. And uh, send me an email at wheels at rpgamer.com, which I've actually gotten a few of recently. And Twitter, I'm askwheels, Dave at fanboymaster, and Mr. Baker is not on Twitter. And never will be. Truly the wisest of us all. Truly. As a very wise computer once said, sometimes the best move is not to play. <laughs> I might be paraphrasing here, but yeah. Maybe. Or the only way to win is not to play. The only winning move. Up next, War Games 2. <laughs> War Games 2, Electric Boogaloo. Nah. Yeah. Okay. War Games I've 2. Some games are worth playing. War Games 2, Dragon Slayer. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Dragon <laughs> Slayer. Just, dra- <laughs> just do just just make do the remake of the Dungeon Master. <laughs> uh, I reject oh. your real I reject your reality and substitute my own. Uh I watched that movie and didn't realize that was where that came from and was just, like, baffled at every turn when it showed up. <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up myself. That's a, that's a weird I saw that movie, movie when I was that's nine, a... and it didn't make much sense then. And it didn't make any more sense later. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Alright. Uh... On that note, I'll enjoy some more saga music, and I'll see you next time.